Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game, the podcast that I, your host, Connor McCabe, bring on a guest to hear from them about a meaningful video game from a particular moment in their life. Uh, That's normally what we do here on the show, but here on episode 198, we're going to return to a favorite format of mine, the top 10 favorite games of all time format, where I'm joined by some sweetie pies to have them list their favorite games of all time a task that no one finds difficult and that was it's easy for anybody who is uh, forced by me to do so uh a f- little bit of housekeeping up top is that anything that my guests or i plug on the show you can find a link in the show notes so whether you're listening uh on your favorite podcast app or watching us on youtube uh you can just look in the show notes below and if i plug something my guests plug something uh, you can find links there in the show notes to our podcasts, our Patreons, our our other our blogs that some of us might even be writing. Um, but anyway, there's plenty of stuff in the show notes there if you want to find out more about us and how you can support us. Um, for now, that'll do it for the housekeeping, and I'll introduce our three very special guests for the episode. So please welcome. This is something every time I get to this part of the show, I'm like, why didn't I do this before? and look up specifically what episodes you were on. So as I introduce our first guest, uh, I'm going to do that, do a quick Google. Patrick Ellers, welcome back to the show. Uh, Thank you. I was on the Dead Rising episode. See, I remember the game, but the episode number, I'm going to guess, was like 40-something, like 41. God, Uh, I didn't didn't know we were being so granular as to uh, name the episode number. Yes, because you know it, it's I'm what I like about this format is I'm bringing back past guests, some who were on it years ago, some more recently. And Patrick, I was pretty close. Episode forty-two. Cool, cool. That's yeah. a cool number to be. <laughs> uh, joining us as well. Um, let me go ahead and see this. This this is going to be uh, a little less har- easy for me to pinpoint. Um, your uh, partner in podcast crime. Mark Mitchell, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, super excited to be here. I was just Googling to see if I could beat you to see when my episode about Kirby Superstar was. Because it was probably like two, it was like two years ago, maybe. I think, it, yeah, I think it was a little over two years ago, 2021. I had guest, guested on uh, Nintendo Cartridge Society for the first time for the June Direct predictions of that year. Um and then I think once we had met, I was like, great, my plan is working. I can lure Mark onto my show at some point. And I'm, the Google didn't give me any definitive results. So I'm going to keep scrolling as I look, Mark. But <laughs> the Google didn't give you results? <laughs> no. Like yours, Patrick, immediately came up with the episode number. Mark's didn't show up. So I'm like literally just scrolling back 
on the Apple Podcast. Oh, store. you did. You did have to take that episode down after Mark was canceled, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's right. Right. That's right. And then, you, uh, and I was like forgiven, and then my hope on this podcast is to be canceled again. <laughs> hey, if we play your cards, our cards right, Mark, we're all gonna get canceled. <laughs> uh, so as I look up your episode, Mark, this is ninety four. It's ninety four. I found ninety four. Drew MVP already. <laughs> Did you look at the Instagram? What was your methodology here? Um, I Googled it, and I don't know why it came up for me and not for you. Maybe you have a weird Google. Maybe you're just good at typing, and I'm poor at it. Uh, but speaking of which, uh, this should be a lot easier for me to find, because uh, you were on the episode uh, on an episode this fall, episode 184, uh, all about Second Densetsu 3. Drew Mackey, welcome back. Hey, thank you for having me back. You're so welcome. It's good to have all three of you here. Um, before we, uh, you know, we get rolling and talk about our format a little bit and get into, uh, this spicy, spicy episode, um, I'm going to go just allow all three of you, uh, to tell us a little bit about yourself. If there's anything you want to plug up top, Patrick, who the heck are you? What do you want people to know, pal? Oh, I, I mean, I'm the host of the Nintendo Cartridge Society or co-host, I suppose, alongside Mark Mitchell. No, we heard you. Uh, <laughs> I'm the host. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, what, what, what is there to know about me? I am uh, a 40-plus-year-old man who was raised on Nintendo, and so when we start talking about my favorite games of all time, it's going to be heavily weighted towards games that appeared on Nintendo systems and uh, developed by Nintendo. Um, uh, and I'm, uh, I did a, a, an awful job of uh, winnowing my list down. So I, I currently have a list of 20 games that I'm going to be uh, shaving down in real time. Wow, um, this is a first. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do. It's an impossible <laughs> task. Uh, but Patrick, um, not that you have to promote this as well, but I believe you have a, a book coming I do, out. I do have soon. a book coming out quite soon. Um, issue one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles source book is coming out on February 21st. Uh, it's like a, an encyclopedia for the IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out in four issues over the course of this year. Uh, and yeah, issue one is out in like a week. Uh, so I'm, I'm very, very excited. Um, and uh, yeah, so if, if you are interested in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and what I have to say about summarizing what happened to them, uh, <laughs> go to your comic book stores and uh, uh, pre-order it. Fantastic. Uh, Mark Mitchell, I have heard that you also host a podcast. Uh, what else do you want to tell us about yourself? Oh, man. Um, hmm. I would say say something about me is that I used to be able to fold like my ears inside of my ears when I was younger huh? like I didn't have like uh, oh like the, the, the cartilage in my ears was like so soft that I could kind of I have airpods in now or I would I would like recreate the steps to do it but the cartilage is hardened as I've aged and so mm. they don't like stick as well but I could mm. basically like fold it up and put it in and nobody taught me how to do it it was just something I was inherently born with the uh the skill to origami my ears inside my ear you like didn't an go to ear origami classes no no okay. yeah i think yeah quite like an x-men like drew said yeah. uh <laughs> you know most people mark as they grow older their hearts hardened but for you apparently it's just your ear cartilage that's mm. right yeah wow well mark 
the co-host of the Nintendo Cartridge Society podcast. Glad you're here. And last but not least, Drew Mackey, the most recent guest on the show. Uh, you've been on within the last several months of the podcast. Uh, what do you want people to know about you and wh- what should you be looking for? I want people to know that I regret my pick for the episode I, cur- I did with you previously because it was the Halloween episode. And I'm going to fix that in my top 10 list. <gasps> I have something oh, else. And it's like, yeah. this is what I should have done. So ah. we're going to get that out of the way. Um, other than that, <laughs> I host a podcast called Gayest Episode Ever, which is about gay episodes of classic sitcoms. We just did one on Mr. Ed, and Mr. Ed is actually a gay show, and that sounds probably stupid to most people listening to this uh, broadcast, but it actually is a gay show, and you should listen to my podcast to find out why. And I normally have a mustache, but now I have a beard because I want to differentiate myself from Patrick so people can tell us apart more. Huge. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad you took that on purely for that reason. That's the uh, reason. Um, we've had <laughs> listeners from your who listened to your episode who then started listening to your podcasts and were like posting about it. So oh, really? I, I guess I'm patting myself on the back and being like, hey, we're a gateway to gayest episode ever. That's amazing. Um, I'm part of your Discord, but I'm really bad at Discord. I should probably go check in to see what people are saying about me and hope it's hope that it's nice things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have and to check. Really I'll check right now and I'll edit those if they're not nice. Thank um, you. I appreciate that. You're very welcome. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad to have the three of you on here. I try to get, you know, groups of friends uh, or people who are familiar with each other on these because I find that they make this back and forth uh, even more fun because I am someone who loves a list. I can listen to a list podcast any day of the week, but I know that that is not the most fun thing for everyone. But with this format of the show, I said, I don't care if you like it, listener. It's the type of uh, format we're going to introduce. It's not something that we do every month. It's been about two months since our last one, but I figured it's uh, time to get back into it. Uh, First and foremost, just uh, for the listener, uh, I'm going to do a little table setting. Uh, It's it's probably as close to the title as you think that this episode will be. All of us will be listing our top 10 favorite games of all time from 10 to 1 today. Uh, And there are no rules. I have definitely had guests in the past who have been like, Connor, some rules would have actually really helped me. And perhaps the panel here feels the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I mean, if, if you had given us rules, then I would have known what to break. Does yes. That make sense? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. Same. Exact same. <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, there are no rules. Um, but and as we even go through my list, you'll start to see, uh, I guess, some possible rules that people would consider that are broken because the way that we always start these podcasts is that I list uh, my top 10 first just to show everybody how it's done. I'm a professional and it's fun because since I started this format, my list has changed. Um, So that's always a fun update for the listener. Do any of you have any questions about how this format goes or any outstanding just big question marks you have before we dive in? I'm scared. But okay. I'll, uh, yeah. That's it. I, I am also scared. Scared. Good. I was really hoping for that. <laughs> well, just, okay, so, uh, Connor, you and I were talking about this on text uh, yesterday that Mark and I came on almost exactly a year ago today to do our top nine Super NES yes. games. Yes. Um, and at the at the time, I had reserved three Super NES games, uh, the, the 
holy trinity, as it were, of uh, uh, Mario World, Link to the Past, and Super Metroid, as uh, they don't go on my list because they're not my favorite video games on the system. They are my favorite life experiences. Yes, um, yes. And, uh, <laughs> and like just listening to, I listened back to the episode, and we talked about a bunch of great Super NES games, and I was like, I could have done a list of this that's just Super NES games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like... Every time I sit down to think about uh, my list, like a definitive list of my favorite ten favorite games, uh, I have like a like an existential crisis. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to say something that I can't take back here. Yes, I mean that I would say is a staple of this uh, type of episode. Without fail, I've had at least one, if not multiple, guests from each one of them text me afterwards and say. I regret my choices. I have made mistakes. So um, I am the only person who has the luxury to then come on a future episode and, uh, you know, sort of make up for my my personal mistakes and regrets. So um, uh, if anyone ever has anything they want me to share with future episodes, send it over. Uh, <laughs> but the way we're going to start this off is I'm going to go ahead and list my top 10 uh, games of all time. Uh, and I'll go ahead uh, and open up my list. Uh, I'll Number 10, and I will actually say this is the first time that I have not had a single change on my list. Um, mm. In previous episodes, I had orders changed or added new games. Uh, the first of which, number 10, is uh, Halo Combat Evolved, um, a game that I personally have gotten to replay recently. My friend uh, and, and podcast compatriot Jeremy Schmidt We've been streaming every Tuesday nights. Uh, we, we call our stream Halo Hogs, where the two of us just play a co-op through the Halo campaigns. Uh, we replayed this one recently, and while I am, like, I do have a special place in my heart about this campaign, it's kind of just, like, barely good, and my joy from this came from playing this game online. Uh None of you, maybe Patrick's a bit of a Halo head, but I don't know Mark or Drew to be Halo heads. I'm not. No. I'm not a. I'm not a Halo head, but like I did have um, friends in college who were like profoundly Halo heads. So I yes. played a lot of uh, multiplayer Halo. Yeah. Um, when when we played it, was it your birthday? Where yes. we set up like a, a, a land party on two TVs. Yes. Um, I was sort of uh, shocked at how well the game played. Um, yeah. Like uh, it it was like fun and fast and we were, everyone's having a good time. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think, uh, combat evolved is a, a great game to have on a top 10 list. Yeah. It's, I, I like the series in general. I'm not the biggest first person shooter person. Uh, but I do, I do really enjoy it. My, my number two, uh, is a newer game to me, a game I played two years ago for the first time. And that is portal Two. Uh, I love both the portal games, but I think for me, I did enjoy, the more uh, not drawn out experience, because that sounds like a negative, but I enjoyed the more meaty, full game, 12-hour-ish campaign. I love the puzzles. I think it's such a funny game. Easily, uh, like, secured a spot on this list. Uh, My number eight, also a relatively uh, new game for me, a big uh, common theme for myself in life is that I'm late to stuff. I was also late to Shadow of the Colossus, and Shadow of the Colossus uh, is in my number eight spot. I've played it a few times. Uh, we recently actually released on this feed. Um, our sh- I did a co-op episode on Shadow of the Colossus like four years ago <laughs> at this point. Uh, so if any listeners out there are huge fans of that game, that's available for you. 
uh, just a few episodes back. Number seven uh, is Skyrim. Uh, I love. It's a game I've never finished, but a game that I have started uh, maybe five or six times, and I just love living in that world, playing as different classes. It's my. It's a one of only two RPGs on my list. Surprisingly, hmm. um, my number six is uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three. In my opinion, this isn't even the best Tony Hawk, but this is my personal favorite. The one that, like, is kind of representing all of these games uh, on the list for me. The one that I have, like, if I were to do a Call Me By Your Game episode from a particular moment, this one's context sticks out so clearly to me. Uh, I know we got are there any Hawkheads on the show today. <laughs> Yeah, to, I, I I played a, a Pro Skater one and two, but on the Nintendo sixty four, so it had like oh, the yes. you know fewer like soundtrack tracks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I I loved those two games. Yeah, um, they um, also com- came out with three on the sixty four, which is a travesty. But uh, yes, Patrick, <laughs> uh, could could you play as Darth Maul in Tony Hawk Pro Skater three? I don't believe so. I think he was in two. It doesn't sound like this game belongs on your list. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's strike one for you, mister. Uh, my number five, uh, a game I recently reconnected with, and it was one of those that was like, I have a, this, this list for me is primarily nostalgia, but my number five is Super Smash Bros. Uh, Melee uh, mm-hmm. for the uh, GameCube, uh, a game that I recently reconnected with because uh, after doing a little video game, Secret Santa, uh, we decided to do a Smash Melee tournament. It was someone else's idea. And I, it's weird because no one who did, did that tournament uh, mentioned on their podcast that I came out the winner, which mm. was interesting. And there were several other podcast hosts on it. So uh, because of that and playing this tournament, and I was very proud of, of winning as, as my boy Link, um, I have like continued to return to this game and do like the adventure mode and the event matches and... Uh, it really holds up for me. I love I love the series, but Melee in particular. Number four, and I'll try to speed this up, uh, probably my favorite RPG of all time, uh, Pokemon Silver. Um, you could change it with Soul Silver, but I have a soft spot for the early Pokemon games. And yeah, I've talked about it enough on these episodes. I love it. Number two, or number three, Backyard Baseball 2001. A uh, point-and-click children's sports game uh, that I return to almost every year. Uh, I love it. Shout out to Humongous Entertainment and Humongous Sports that no longer exist. My number two, Super Mario 64. Uh, just, I really have nothing else to say about that game that hasn't been said already. Uh, and at the top of my list, folks, this is where I become a bad boy and let you know that we actually have a tie. Uh, This has been a tie since I finished this game. As I was playing it, um, this is my 1B. Um, I knew knew how special it felt to me when I played it, and uh, that is uh, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is my 1B favorite game of all time. I never thought that another game could uh, make me feel the way I did about video games or even come close to the top game on my personal list, uh, which is The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. So not only do I have, do I want to let everyone know that it's okay to have multiple games from a franchise on your list, it's also okay to have ties if you want to really just get freaky. Um, but yeah, that's my list. Hasn't changed 
one bit since the last episode. Uh, I will say, um, before we finally actually hear from you all and I stop monologuing, Alan Wake 2 is a game I just played recently. That game was knocking on the door of this list, and I, I, I couldn't quite knock any of these games off my top 10 to replace it. But I'll just say there's a chance that that makes an appearance someday. Uh, I loved Alan Wake 2. Thought it was a masterpiece. Did stuff with games that like I have both never seen narratively, but also from a mechanic standpoint. I loved it. Um, but yeah, that's my list. Um, and we'll go ahead and finally start to do this. Uh, Mr. Patrick Ellers. Yeah. As painful as it is, I'm going to start with you. Okay. You're number 10. Can you tell us... Your 10th favorite game of all time. Okay, so uh, thank you, Connor, for recapping your list. It gave me the opportunity to uh, make cuts from my list. Uh, and, <laughs> You're welcome. And put it in order. Um, Ooh. Uh, so I, I can I can give you my 10th, my, tenth, my uh, n- number 10 on my uh, 10 favorite games of all time. Will we have an opportunity to do honorable mentions? Yes, or please. near Absolutely. misses after? Okay. We'll make some time for that. Okay, great. Um, number 10, uh, not the... Only Wii U game that's going to appear on this list, Super Mario Maker. Oh, oh my goodness. <clears throat> the original Super Mario Maker, uh, in addition to, uh, you know, like pioneering this make your own Mario level thing, um, was also just a moment in a way that Super Mario Maker 2 wasn't. Um, there just yeah. was like a uh, sort of like rabid fan community that was uh, making stuff and discovering because the game had so many uh, like just little secrets embedded in it and like ways that you could figure out how to manipulate the assets that they gave you um, to really deliver like fun and exciting and um, interesting Mario levels. Uh, and I know there are more tools in Super Mario Maker 2. But there's no Wii U gamepad uh, in Super mm. Mario Maker 2. Uh, so the creation tools are simply less fun. Um, Mario Maker is also, like, in my mind, it is the uh, next generation of, it is the next iteration of Mario Paint. Um, it is a set of creative tools that Nintendo gave me to make something fun. Um, and, like, Mario Paint is is one of my favorite games. It does not appear on, on my list here. Um uh-huh. But uh, just getting uh, ha- having that same like set of tools or that same type of set of tools uh, available to me after like 20 years uh, was just a dream come true. Uh, and it came out on September 11th. Uh, so that has, has replaced a national tragedy in my head with a uh, Mario Maker game. And That's maybe even made up for said tragedy. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and you could make, uh, you know, the World Trade Center in Mario Maker if you wanted to. Okay, I think you got some plans later. <laughs> and you could crash a clown car into it. Okay, now we're getting off the rails. Uh, yeah. uh, Patrick, uh, this is great. You're one of many friends I have that like that adore this game. I missed it. I only played it at a friend's house. I, I had a really great time with two, but it's a game I still consider picking up a hard copy of for my Wii U. Uh, I mean, aren't they shutting down the uh, the level sharing servers uh, in in April? Like it's it's very very, very, very soon. Yeah, very yeah, soon. like April eighth or something like that. Yeah. Um, huh. So yeah, it's uh, uh, one of my favorite games, and it will soon basically be unplayable. Yeah. Gosh, well, Patrick, you're number ten, Super Mario Maker. Thank you very much, uh, Drew Mackey. We turn to you, my friend. Okay. Would you regale us with your number ten? 
Okay, so um, I think my list is going to sound kind of like Patrick's in a lot of ways, but but both of you guys, actually, uh, because we're very much coming from the same origins. My number 10, though, is a different Mario game, Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door, which, of course, I'm very excited because it's coming in remake form and then nearest future. But um, as far as taking Mario games and trying to lay them out in, like, a world where there's actual story and character development. I think it's the best version we've ever had because the story is really good. Uh, everything looks like Mario, even if it's like an original creation and you are venturing through this like well-populated little Mario world where things are funny and weird and it has fun with the restraints of what a Mario world is, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's just it's yeah. just a love, lovely game. I'm so glad that Nintendo still cares about it and is going to feed it back to us again, make us buy it again. <laughs> yes, this game I played a bit when it came out. Uh, I think I only either borrowed it from a friend or rented it, and I it, it held such a like prestigious spot in my mind. Like where some games I look back and, with nostalgia, and m- upon revisiting them, they do not hold up. This is a game that when I pl- actually played it all the way through four years ago, when I finally got a copy, uh, it was better than I remembered it to be. Yeah. Um, and I know that a lot of people, including at least one person in this podcast, uh, like adore Super Mario RPG as their favorite of the Mario RPGs. But for me, Drew, I'm with you, pal. Uh, this game is amazing. But who knows? Maybe you'll have another one on your list. Uh, Thousand Year Door. That's mm-hmm. There's no date for the release, right? No, just sometime no. this year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll find out um, like in this the next week, week or so. Yeah, like very, yeah. very, very near future. Yeah. This yeah. is... This is a bit of a sidetrack, uh, uh, but just, you know, on the, the thought of a possible direct. At this point, we passed one of the weeks where we could have had a February direct. Mm-hmm. Is anybody of the mind that maybe we don't actually get a February direct and there's more afoot than we think? Well, I mean, I don't know. We, uh, I guess the the latest rumors that when this is actually released as an episode may be old news is that it's just going to be a partner showcase. And okay. that uh, that we won't actually see like Nintendo first party stuff from oh. it, um, because the the like rumor on top of that is that the Switch Two would be revealed in March, and that's when we would probably see more. Yeah. I don't know if I buy it, but that's the that's the rumor right now, and and that's that's a compelling set of rumors, right? Um, but I'm personally, I hope that we have a Nintendo Direct next week, if for no other reason than Mark and I would have to come up with another. Uh, concept for Mario versus Donkey Kong, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. we're loving, but like uh-huh. it's hard to come up with ideas. Yes, uh, quick pitch: uh, Mario versus Donkey Kong as romantic partners. Okay, great. Um, uh, yeah, is we'll that see. is that how you view romantic partnerships as a versus situation? Oh, it's always one versus the other because okay. uh, we're all picking, right? Um, <laughs> Drew, I I wanted to leave some space. Did you have anything to say about the direct stuff? Or are you all good? No, um, I believe the rumor like that setup that that sounds like something Nintendo would do. So I'm not getting my hopes up. But if we do get a partnership showcase, people are going to lose their shit. Twitter's going to be extra extra bad. Cool. Yeah, can't wait for yeah. whatever it ends up being. And hey, yeah. again, when this episode comes out uh, on Wednesday, the what is that? The f- the fourteenth. Fourteenth. Valentine's hey, Day. Happy Valentine's Day, guys. <laughs> oh, my three Valentines. Um, so one better mention monster prom today. <laughs> uh, thank you, Drew, for your number 10 and sorry for the tangent folks. Mark, we're at you, pal. Why don't you kick us off with your number 10? 
Yeah, I just want to say I'm I'm uh, excited for this exercise because I love Nintendo stuff, and you know, with uh, Nintendo Cartridge Society, talk about Nintendo stuff all the time. So it was kind of fun to go outside of that. All that is like preamble to say that my number ten is Destiny for Whoa. the PlayStation Four. I guess it was available on like PlayStation Three and Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty and Xbox One, but. Uh, my list a lot is built around like social experiences because that's uh, is very meaningful to me when I play video games. And so Destiny, I've I had never played a game like Destiny before. Like I'd played mm. first person shooters, um, but I wasn't that big into Halo. So this was my first, I would say, like real like bungee game. And um, I was I never really played MMOs either. And so the idea of having like a raid and you know like working together as a team to complete a raid and it's like really challenging and you're up until like 3 30 in the morning right <laughs> trying to like uh get sherpa everybody through this platforming section i just really i just really loved it and i loved spending the time with the people that i was playing it with and you know i i feel like um i even though it wasn't that long ago i guess maybe like 10 years i'm in a different place in my life where i don't really have the time that i had then to dedicate to a video game like that and uh, it's just something that was really special for me and so i i really love i never even bought destiny 2 like destiny uh-huh. was my destiny experience and i just i really loved that game fantastic were was this a game that you were anticipating or did it come out and you tried it and you're like I, oh i'm in you know i got a playstation 4 right around the time that it was coming out and i knew people who had like a playstation 4 and were excited for the game cool. and so it just seemed like yeah like let's uh let's give it a shot um okay yeah so awesome destiny one uh also the only destiny i played i i, I actually played this game in the like the lead up to the switch release because i was so excited about the switch but it felt like i had nothing to play so i replayed four zelda titles on my wii u uh and then i played this uh literally the last game i played before breath of the wild um well and it's so funny because the like like all the shortcomings of destiny are like it is not a perfect game the mm -hmm. campaign the main campaign is bad it ends like really awkwardly um there wasn't a ton of content and I think that's a problem that like continues with Destiny 2. And so you're like redoing the same raids over or strikes yeah. or whatever they're called, like over and over and over again with just different um, like small changes made on top of them. Like the enemy's super hard. So like all this kind of stuff. But it was just like at the time, you know, they, there were all these strategies to like cheese really difficult bosses. And so you'd like huddle in a corner and shoot through an area where the geometry wasn't very good. And then Bungie would try to patch it. Like it was that sort mm. of stuff. Like it really wasn't like the game was fun. The The combat is satisfying in a way that I guess like Bungie is really good at. But it really was like the social part of it that made yeah. that game special for me. That's great. Well, that's your number 10. Mark, we're going to snake right back to you, my friend, and hear your number nine. All right. My number nine is Resident Evil 4. And spe specifically, I haven't played the remake, but um, specifically the Wii version, I think, is <laughs> yes. kind of like the perfect version of that game. Partly because me, like, uh, being able to use the pointer controls for headshots made it just uh, a lot easier. But I love Resident Evil 4. I really like the Resident Evil series, but I've like fallen off of it as of late. I didn't play 7. I haven't played 8. Um, and I... I don't or know any like, of the remakes, right? 
No, I played. I played two. I played. Oh, the re- played two. I played. Okay. I played the remake of two, which is like really good. Um, but yeah, Resident Evil Four just has a special place in my heart. I think it's the perfect Resident Evil game mm-hmm. before it went. Um, you know, like it, the older ones, even like remake. I have a hard time going back to with like the tank controls and everything. Um, and then the, I guess by newer. They're all over a decade old at this point, but like Resident Evil Five, it, the series just like changed. Uh, mm. Resident Evil Four is such like an inflection point, and I feel like it threads the needle between like classic Resident Evil but still modern in a way that the later games were never able to like capture for me. Um, so, but I yeah, I absolutely love, love Resident Evil Four. That the Wii version was one of my last two purchases before the eShop shut down. Uh, that in the Metroid Prime trilogy. Uh, so I can't wait to play it someday. Mark, that was awesome. Resident Evil 4. Uh, Drew Mackey, we're back to you for your number nine. So Mark was just saying how a lot of his game memories are like social based. And I don't do social video gaming. Video gaming is my me time where I'm like, I need to like not be around people. I'm just going to focus mm-hmm. on the game. The exception for me is arcade machines, which are naturally social. And my pick for this one is Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Yes. which I played the hell out of uh, when I was, before I moved to LA, I used to go to this one laundromat that had a Marvel vs. Capcom 2 machine. And the laundromat owner's son, who was like eight, would like play with me and <laughs> initially could kick my ass. And then I had to get back into the swing of fighting games and learn how to kick his ass. And it was a lot of fun. And um, I just enjoy the art style of that game. Yeah. And like one of my favorite characters actually is Jill Valentine from Resident Evil, but she's realized in that hand-drawn Street Fighter It's so good. It's like my favorite version of that character. And just like everything about that game is like instant nostalgia. Um, like the, like there's just, it's just, it's just a beautiful game with a weird soundtrack and I love it so much. Ah. Uh. So that good. uh that that Jill Valentine design in Marvel vs. Capcom 2, it's like the only place where she ever looks like that, right? Yeah. I don't um, think they ever use it again. It's, it's perfect. I mean, uh, the the like our arcade cabinet artwork for Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is like it's so pleasing. What's the yeah. name of that artist? Uh uh I, I I can't think of it off the top of my I, head. I but don't like, know. It's uh it's it's like a, a sort of classic Street Fighter style that's just um, it makes everyone look like round and fun and uh, God. And and they also have this character um, who's like a weird cactus man. They just made up for the game. And a lot of people hate him because they're like, why didn't you give it to like a real Marvel or Capcom character rather than making up this weird cactus guy? I even love him because he's such a fun design. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Uh, it's the game Patrick's kicked my ass uh, in on his uh, Dreamcast before. Nice. Uh, really great one. Um, speaking of Patrick... We're back to you for your number nine. <laughs> oh, speaking of Patrick, uh, <laughs> my number nine is uh, the most recently released game on my list, um, and it is a, a, a game that uh, introduced me retroactively to a whole franchise that I didn't realize I was missing out on. Pikmin 4 wow. is my uh, number nine in my top ten games of all time. Um, I, I had dabbled with some Pikmin games before, Um, but it was really, and even like dabbled with Pikmin 4 when it came out this summer. Um, but it took me until, you know, like November, December to really like dig into it and, uh, be patient enough with it to let the games, uh, like secrets and overlapping systems, uh, reveal themselves to me. Uh, there are, 
so many different the you know the way Pikmin works is uh, you control a little guy who throws other little guys um, in uh, like a garden environment um, and you collect resources um, and Pikmin Four has all of these uh, these discrete little like forms of challenge where like sometimes you're really managing uh, the 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 like number of Pikmin you have and it's like a resource based game sometimes uh, you're like out in the open world and it's more about exploration sometimes it's a time based challenge and all of these things you can like opt into what kind of challenge you want from moment to moment uh, and it just means that like I, I, I don't know like it uh, it let me choose the way that I wanted to uh, play in Pikmin and then uh, through that choice uh, I just did it all right mm-hmm. like um, uh, it it gave me enough variety that I never got bored with it um, and I you know afterward retroactively went back and played Pikmin 1 and Pikmin 2 um, and Pikmin 1 is like undeniably a, a masterpiece uh, and I get why it spawns this, uh, this this whole franchise but 4 is just so good and so fun uh, and uh, it's I feel weird putting a game that I played that recently on this list, but it's uh, to me it's undeniable, and and it has dogs. It has a dog. It's got Ochi in it. Um, it's got several dogs. So it's got <laughs> Moss. Um, uh, the final boss is a dog. It's awesome. That was a great, great twist. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed this game too, um, and I'm just so glad that you become Pikmin pilled in such a short I'm amount so of time. Pikmin pilled. <laughs> this worked out well for us. Uh, Fantastic, Patrick. Uh, we're going to stay with you, though, and snake back around and get your number eight. Number eight on my list, a game that I have declared my game of the year every year since it came out, Tetris 99. Uh, this this is one of those games that is on almost every episode. Somebody lists it. it I mean, it's uh, t- Tetris is borderline a perfect video game. Um, and Tetris 99 is kind of, uh, it's just a wonderful package for it. Like I, I think on, uh, on a different day, maybe like Tetris effect could also be that for me. Um, but, uh, yeah. And any game that, uh, finds a new compelling way for me to in, engage with Tetris, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to love and Tetris 99, I, uh, committed to, uh, last year getting 999 tickets um, which you can get four of per day if you do these challenges so I was you know logging back into it uh, just day after day after day after day to play matches of Tetris against 98 other people um, and uh, it's it's the best uh, and they keep adding like new themes to it and having these Tetris Maximus cups uh, and yeah I mean like it's, it's Tetris and it's delivered in uh, a borderline perfect way Mm. Gamer of the Year, Patrick Ellers, 2023. I have a question. Yeah. So um, I've listened to um, Patrick and Mark's podcast for a long time, and I have heard Patrick talk about this game a lot. What do the tickets do? So the tickets are basically currency. Um, okay. You can use them to buy other themes. That Actually, that's, that's it. Uh, there are other uh, themes that are um, not tied to uh, like specific Tetris Maximus cups. So yeah, it, it's just a currency. So were you just collecting the tickets and not spending them to get to the maximum number? Well, so not at not at first. At first, I was uh, collecting tickets and then spending them on the other themes. And then when I was like, wait a minute, there's an achievement to get 999 tickets. Mm. Uh, that's when I was like, okay, I got to stop spending tickets. So I had probably spent like 200 tickets by that point. Uh, okay. So I've I've earned well over yeah. uh, a thousand tickets in that game. Yeah, that's a lot. Okay. Okay. An Thank absolute you. Absolute soldier. Uh, 
I had a few predictions for your list, Patrick. This is one of the games that I thought would be on here, so I'm very happy to it hear it. It has to be. It, it, yes. it has to be on here, yeah. I've got like two other things, at least two that I think are guarantees, but we'll see once we get there. Uh, Drew, how about your number eight? My number is the highest ranked Final Fantasy I have in my top 10, and that is actually Ooh. Final Fantasy Tactics, <gasps> because I love the Final Fantasy games. I've played all of the ones that have been... I played. I've, I've played... I played almost all of them, and I love a Final Fantasy experience, but I had never played that sort of strategy game that Final Fantasy Tactics is. Yeah. So instead of like a turn-based, uh, a simple t- turn-based uh, RPG, it's like a grid game board style RPG, and you move your characters around, and I really like the strategy element in a way that I was surprised by because previous strategy games hadn't done it for me. I think it's just mm. such a rich game, and it is more perfect than a lot of other Final Fantasy games are. A lot of Final Fantasy games have like passionate followings, but even the people who love them are like, yeah, like these parts of it are kind of crappy. Final Fantasy Tactics is really solid, except for like some like game-breaking difficulty battles. <laughs> except but, for the uh, parts that are kind of crappy. <laughs> yeah, but e- even then, I feel like the overall quality, it's, it's a tighter package than most like PlayStation and later era Final Fantasies for me. Mm. I, I've only dabbled with it, and I know it, I, I'm pretty sure it's a different game. Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. I don't think that's the same like story, right? Different. Game. No, there's like the little kids who go into a magic world. Yes, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Same, same, same system though. So I think they lost something. I played that game too. And I'm like, this is good, and I like how it's bigger, but somehow they lost the tight package that made Final Fantasy Tactics good to me. But that's gotcha. Yeah. Dang. Um. Yeah, this is this is one I often hear is just like one of the greatest PlayStation games ever. Uh, mm-hmm. Tactics, um, awesome! Thank you for your number eight, Drew. Uh, Mark, how about yours? Uh, my number eight. This is a tie, and it's a Ooh, tie. Yay. It's a tie because of my own faulty memory. So my initial pick was Just Dance Two from 2010, <laughs> and but so I looked at the track list from Just Dance Two. And I realized that it was missing a song that was integral to like my Just Dance experience. So it's a tie between Just Dance Two and um, "You're the First, uh, like My Last, My Everything" by Barry White that appears in Just Dance Four. <laughs> um, and those two games together, like uh, I, I have really fond memories of playing Just Dance Two um, with my family. Like, uh, we were really rock solid at Rasputin. And um, <laughs> and so that that was just, like, something, like, I have memories of playing with my family. And, you know, my when I was younger, when, my, when we got a, I was really young and we got a Nintendo Entertainment System. And my, my dad was never really interested in video games, but my mom would play Super Mario Brothers. And then as, like, you know, we grew older and the systems got more complex, like, she just wasn't, it just wasn't something that she was interested in. But it was very fun to me to have, like, the Wii era was really special because with Wii Sports and then just, like, Just Dance, it was a way for, like, everybody to be involved with playing video games. And it was uh, super fun. And the the uh, the Barry White song from Just Dance 4, because I think in Just Dance 3 they introduced, um, like, group choreography where, like, uh, you'd be, like, four people on screen, but they each have, like, a different part. Oh. and. We were just really good at it. We got really good at Just Dance. I kind of rediscovered it during the pandemic because like Just Dance 2020 went was on sale for super cheap and it had some of the classic like legacy songs on it. Um, and so uh, that was a fun thing to kind of rediscover mm. during lockdown. 
But yeah, Just Dance 2 slash 4 tied for uh, number 8 for me. And, and the three, Barry... 3 can go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and the Barry White song, You're My First, well, how does it go? My Last, My Everything. Oh, that is just sweet, Mark. That's one of my favorite, that's my favorite tie I've had on the show yet. Uh, it, the, the, I, I was thinking about this song this morning because someone mentioned Ally McBeal, and that song is used to really good effect in Ally McBeal. There's a really good dance sequence to that, and I'm delighted that this would come up twice in a day when I haven't really thought about it in forever. It's a really Huge. good song. It's a really good song. Wow. Did I, did I ever tell you about the time that I uh, picked up a uh, boombox from my parents' house? This is when I was uh, in college. Um, I needed a boombox for something, uh, and I think I was like around for the weekend, and so I like uh, I grabbed their boombox and brought it back uh, to college with me. And there was one uh, blank, there was a CD in there that was unlabeled. It was like a burn CD, uh, and it was uh, Barry White's Greatest Hits. You know what that music's for? I do. I do. Yeah. Your parents are like, hmm, after that time, something changed in our relationship. It's the the funniest part to me is that like they must have like burned it and then like felt, uh, I don't know, like some sort of shame around having it in the house. Right. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, Well, let's reconnect with your parents and let's help them get rid of that shame, Patrick. What do you say? Sure. Sure. Uh, Mark. That's fantastic. Uh, we're going to stay with you, though, and get your number seven. My number seven is Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, which Whoa. is a like, visual novel adventure game. And uh, I love this series. I, I, It's because like I played it on the Nintendo DS when it was first released in English for the first time. And it's the first like visual novel adventure game that I had ever played before. Oh. And so I... Um, I uh, love Phoenix Wright. I love the characters. Like I love that whole world. But I also just love it for introducing me to that those like visual novel adventure game type games. And I've like uh, grown to really love them and uh, enjoy playing them when I get the chance. Have you dabbled at all in like any of the re-releases? I think they just came out with a trilogy of sorts. Yeah, so they just re-released Apollo Justice. Um, okay. And then uh, like a year ago, they released like the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, which mm-hmm. takes place like 100 years before Phoenix Wright. I buy all of them because I want another um, uh, like new Phoenix Wright game. Uh, so I, but I like, I've never played the Apollo justice series before. And I started the, uh, great ace attorney chronicles, but never finished it. That's gotcha. the ser- the series that for the longest time was never released outside of Japan because it uses a Sherlock Holmes character, which is under <laughs> copyright in the U S but they solved that problem with the, uh, release here by just naming him Herlock Holmes. So creative <laughs> solutions to creative problems. That's too funny. Uh, does does wow. he have a, a, a sidekick? Um, what, what's like Watson backwards? <laughs> right, yeah. You flip the W upside down, it's Motson. <laughs> That's how you make the opposite yep. of something. Yeah. We've got solutions on this episode, folks. Uh, Mark, that's great. Uh, Phoenix Wright, ace attorney for your number seven. Drew, we're back to you for your number seven. This is a Nintendo game, an NES <gasps> game. Um, it is... Uh, a Capcom platformer, but not the one anyone's probably thinking of. It's Little Nemo, the Dream Master. Hell yeah. What? Which was a tie-in to an animated movie that no one liked. And I don't know how I found out who Little Nemo was, but I did. 
Buddy, sorry, my dog is barking at squirrels. Oh, you're totally fine. But Gus, I'm gonna he, look up what Gus, this is at this moment. He thinks you should have put Ducktales on the list, but he's wrong. I mean, <laughs> Ducktales is great, but I didn't own Ducktales. I got really into Little Nemo. I wanted to find out everything about it because I thought the movie. Game. I thought the movie was gonna be amazing. I never even saw the movie until I rented it on VHS much later, and it was beautifully animated but boring. And the game is just a really solid Capcom platformer. It's sort of like Super Mario Brothers three because you can um, take on various animal powers. So it's sort of like the suit mechanic oh. in Mario 3. But like, just imagine like uh, like Mega Man or DuckTales or any Disney platformer, that style of platforming action, but like hard. Like it, it is a very challenging game. It took me forever to beat it. And it's uh, just well well done. It's like well done in the way that everything that Capcom put out on the NES was well done. But uh, Beautiful just, sprites in that game. Just so good. Really good music by Yoko Shimomura, yeah. who's the composer behind all the Street Fighter, original Street Fighter songs and Super Mario RPG. What hasn't Yoko made an amazing score for? I, I, she must have made a bad sounding game at some point, right? I just don't know what it is. Someone, <laughs> Maybe someone at some point. Yeah. Uh, gosh, that's great. Uh, Little Nemo, the Dream Master. Uh, I should have like a uh, sort of like sound stinger when certain events happen on this show. Like I just learned about a game and I feel like I need for the future to have a stinger for that moment of revelation. So Drew, thanks for introducing that to me. Uh, yeah, I've welcome. never... I've never heard like I don't know this game either. It makes me. We've, I'm gonna we've go never look talked it up. about it on the show. I don't think so. It got wow. Nintendo Power pushed it kind of hard back in totally. the day. So it, it got it got support from like Nintendo corporate, but uh, mm. it's it because the movie was so unsuccessful. It just didn't really have legs, and it's sort of fallen by the wayside. But it is it is a solid game. Dang. Yeah. Well, that's your number seven. Little lit as I barely can pronounce it. Little Nemo, the Dream Master. Speaking of number sevens, Patrick, I bet you've got a number seven on your list. Oh, you bet I do. Um, My number seven, this is not a tie situation, but it is sort of five games. Um, (laughs) This is the Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. Um, uh, There are many games from the Treasure Trove that I uh, could consider as, uh, you know, worthy of going on my top ten list. The uh, Shovel of Hope scenario that it launched with uh, is uh, an almost perfect platforming game. Uh, but so too are Spectre of Torment and King of Cards. Um, uh, it's just a, a throwback style uh, platforming game. Um, and depending on which of those um, scenarios you're playing, you get to sort of mix in uh, it, like the, the game at like its its baseline is sort of a Mega Man game, sort of a uh, uh, sort of Super Mario Brothers three. Um, the Shovel Knight scenario is, mixes in a little bit of DuckTales. The uh, 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 King Knight um, scenario mixes in a little like Wario Land uh, mm. and they're all just so like fun and funny and the uh, platforming and action is uh, phenomenal. Um, there's Shovel Knight Showdown is tucked away in there that's like a sort of platform fighting game mm. um, using all those characters. Uh, I just love it and it's uh, it is good enough and big enough that I'm like totally bought in on whatever Yacht Club Games uh, develops yeah. or publishes. Um, it's a free pass from me. I will check out everything they do uh, from now until the day I die. For sure. Uh, th- this is like just a glaring like game on my backlog. Is at least the original Shovel Knight. Like still have yet to dive in. Uh, and Patrick, every time you talk about it, I'm like reminded of that guilt. So thank you for that reminder. <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, uh, honestly, I think the the easiest place to get in is with the Specter of Torment um, scenario. Okay. Um, 
because the the mobility in that is so like fast and fun and like it feels like a a little bit like a Ninja Gaiden game uh, mm-hmm. on NES, um, but is like faster and more fluid and like less hard um, also. Yeah, definitely less hard. Yeah. Um, and like its deployment of the game sense of humor, I think is is the best because it's tinged with this like super tragic backstory for that character. Mm. Dang. Well, that's your number seven. How about your number six? Uh, my number six. I'm in. I'm. I've. I've. I didn't have this when we started, but I'm. I'm putting it in now. I'm putting in a, a two way tie for sixth place. Um, games that are totally unrelated to each other. Um, <laughs> uh, so the the first is going to be uh, Super Metroid. Ooh, um, baby. Uh, which uh, I had a tough time. Like I knew I want. I knew I needed to have uh, Metroid representation on this list, uh, be it Super or Dread. Um, like I knew one of those was uh, going to go on here, but I just have too many childhood memories associated with Super Metroid. Um, and it's do they really... have missiles in that one, Connor? They have missiles, and you're supposed to use them against the bosses. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> I <laughs> counseled Connor to use his missiles, but he never would. Um, no, I don't know. It's just like the uh, the perfect sort of formula of Metroidvania. Um, in, in my mind, and uh, like I think more than any other game on this list, it's the one that I've like gone back and replayed uh, more. Like I probably play this game annually, and I don't mm-hmm. set out to do that. I don't have like a tradition of doing it. It's just like, oh man, I could go through an, uh, another round of, of Super Metroid, and then I do it. Yeah, this is. I had my first ever replay, having finished it for the first time in 2021. Uh, I did. That was the last game I beat last year in 2023 and it was just like being a little familiar with that game and having gone through it once does did wonders for me as far as like my my uh, enjoyment of the game because there's plenty of times where it's really difficult to know where you're supposed to go or what you're supposed to do next but having like a clue in my brain and the clue being my memory of doing it before was great oh what's the game it's tied with the game it is tied with is the Last of Us Part Two? <gasps> um, uh, a game that I absolutely. This is I'm going off Nintendo here. Not a game that you can play on on a Nintendo platform. Um, I love the original The Last of Us. Uh, I'm a, a big like Naughty Dog booster. I like all those Uncharted games. Um, but The Last of Us Part Two, uh, what it does with, I can't. How spoilery can I get here? Like we're talking about a, a game where there's going to be a, a TV show adaptation in like a year or two. I feel for the spoilers up, go for it. Um, spoilers up. Any, any of the participants don't want to hear, feel free to take your headphones off and I'll, I'll do this when it's clear. <laughs> Looks like we're good. Uh, everyone's good. <laughs> Nobody cares. Um, it's uh, the, the, the way it splits its time between uh, uh, Ellie, who is a character that, you know, from the, from the first game and Abby, who is the uh, killer of Joel. Um, uh, and like that you have to swap between these two characters um it's just it has it's like a, a brutal statement on uh like violence and what it costs you to get back at someone um and uh i don't know the the performances are so compelling and uh the action is so good in it um that like it does i've i've heard it uh sort of leveled against it as a criticism of like if your message is violence is bad, why is the violence so fun in your game? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't think that's a valid criticism because I that is sort of the point that the violence feels good in the moment, but it leaves you empty at the end. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it, 
it's a game that after I finished it, I had to like go for a long walk and just like listen to silence, like hear the sound of my heartbeat and just like, uh, you know, remember like what it is to be a human again. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I just, uh, I love that game. It's, it's very special to me and, uh, makes me very sad. I've been, uh, I have not replayed the game. When I played it in 2020, I thought, I never need to play this again because I don't need to go through that. But at yeah. now, Patrick, I'm considering a replay at some point. Uh, have you seen the documentary released this week I about the making yet. of? No, I, I, I got to dig into that. It's good. Yeah. It's not spectacular. There's not going to be any incredible revelation, but I think it's worth watching as a big fan. Um uh, I, I interviewed uh, for a job as a QA tester uh, while they were uh, leading up to um, the the Last of Us Part Two, and uh, oh. when when the game finally did come out, I was like, "Oh, I'm glad I didn't get that job because I would yeah. have been, <laughs> I would have hated my experience of yes. playing it. Yeah. Would have been hell. Um, yeah, absolute hell. Also, it's got uh, a, a a trans character in it, which is something that um, video like video games that are telling stories uh, about like issues that characters actually face uh, doesn't happen very often. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and Le Lev is a sweetie and I love him to death. Yeah. Um, great. Patrick, you're number five or six, a tie between super Metroid and the last of us part two. Uh, Drew, we are at you for number six. My number six is uh, a weird quirky personal favorite, but it's Samurai Showdown two. For the Neo Geo, um, specifically because uh, I always like Neo Geo fighting games. I played almost all of them, and I'm like not sucky at them. And I enjoy the art style of it, and I enjoy how they're different from Capcom fighting games. But uh, I was skiing with my family, and I like took a really bad fall and hit my head. And I was like, "That's it. I don't think I'm ever gonna ski again." And I haven't. And I went back to the lodge and was like, "I'm just gonna play video games." And played like put quarter into quarter into Samurai Showdown <laughs> Two, and got very good at it. And it's one of my better video game memories of like having a very bad day and then going to do this thing that is not why you go skiing in the first place but um uh love it's like a feudal japan fighting game where everyone has weapons um the vocals are all in japanese it's very japanese um like uh authentic sounding uh instrumentation and all that mm. and this is the weird game that most people who play the series don't like because they added characters who weren't um, samurai. There's like this tiny monk with a staff and his name is Caffeine Nicotine. There's the actual name they gave the character. And <laughs> he's a horny old man and you can be this tiny little horny old man and beat up samurais and that was very fun for me. My goodness. What yeah. if you were to compare it to because I'm not super familiar with the Samurai Showdown series is there another fighting game series that it feels or like appears to look like? Like sort of like um, Soul Edge, Soul Calibur, where it's like, oh. except more Japanese focused. There are mm -hmm. a lot of non-Japanese characters in this game. Um, but like uh, like that drawn in a Fatal Fury style, sort of. Mm. Mm -hmm. yes. And like just like like appealing to the world's inner Akira Kurosawa nerd, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Samurai it also Showdown uh, too. Samurai Showdown games also uh, a couple of the characters have pets that fight alongside them. Mm -hmm. um, so like there's that dude with the dog, uh, and then uh, there's a there's like a falcon too, right? There's a bird. There's a bird girl. There's yeah. the Galford, the the blue eyed samurai who has a dog who I uh, like to play at because dog. And um, there is there are others. There's um, in the in the second one. There's a cat girl who fights with the giant boomerang, and she has a pet monkey. Awesome. Yeah. What more I mean, could you want? Like, I, I get to be a cat girl and I have a pet monkey and I, and I still get to kill people. Great. I love that. Just dreams being realized. Really? Yes. play that game. Better than hitting your head on a tree because you like <laughs> skidded on ice and yes. could have died. Yeah. Oh, what and, a nice but, redemption for that day. And I ne I've never been skiing again and don't intend to. 
Uh, did for, forgive me for asking you this again? You're from the Central California, Drew. Basically, yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm sure we didn't grow up going to the same mountains because we're from a few hours away, but it just has my brain spinning now. This uh, is this is Dodge Ridge. Have you ever been to Dodge Ridge? I grew up going skiing and snowboarding at Dodge Ridge. Yes. Okay, so uh, my family has like a, a, a cabin in scare yes. quotes um, in Miwok Village, <laughs> and um, when I say cabin, it's a dilapidated house in the mountains. We're yes. like where the walls meet in the corner. You can see sunlight coming in through the crack. It's, yeah. I, 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 I hate this place so much, and I haven't been in 20 years because the only reason to go there was to go skiing, and I, I just don't. I just I don't need to do that anymore. So yeah, I just True. play video games instead. My family also, for like a five or six year period, had a cabin in Miwok Village. I wonder. Is, we're just we were... Connect, we're just connecting dots here. Uh, if I'll I'll ask my parents the street later, and then I'll message you. But love these connections. Uh, that's so funny. Um, Mark, hey pal. Hey. How about your number six? My number six is ooh. Actually, even in this moment, ooh, I'm he's torn. waffling. I, well, I'm torn between two games because both in the same series. I think I'm gonna go with uh, the Beatles rock band. Oh, I think I really torn between just regular rock band. That's what I had on my list initially, but I like knew the discography of like the Beatles so much better than you know like some of the songs on like a lot of songs on rock band I didn't have that familiarity with, sure. and right. so uh, the Beatles rock band. Man, I I was all in on the era of plastic instruments. Like I <laughs> I loved Guitar Hero three. Um, I when Rock Band came out, like that was awesome. It was so much fun to be able to like play it with friends, play it with family. Like I I really loved Rock Band, but specifically the Beatles Rock Band because it was something that like was kind of cross generational. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I yeah I. I understand why that era is no longer with us, but I do admit to missing it a little bit. If somebody I knew owned the like uh, things to play, maybe that person should become me. Maybe I should own the things to play Beatles Rock Band. But I wish yeah, you I could w- do that. Yeah, I wish. That's, that's I wish. Doable. <laughs> um, because I, I I just I think that was such a fun social experience, and uh, we're just such good games. Yeah. I, I loved Rock Band. What uh, uh, what was your instrument? Uh, I I mean I was never great at any of them, right? Like uh, with guitar, I could never go above me like whatever medium difficulty was. Once you introduce more than I think like three notes, uh, it was too much for me. Like drums, it was, I, I'm not like a super musical person, so uh, I could dabble in all of them. But um, I, the, being able to like master it was never something that was very important to my experience. The, the fact only that you difference could... between you two. You're the fact musical. that you could find enjoyment in this game, despite not being musical, says a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Especially that value of that like social experience. Well, I'll also say before we get to your number five, uh, Michael Hearn, future guest of this format, if you're listening, Mark is going to be stealing your rock band uh, instruments quite soon. Uh now, oh, does Mark, he? Does he have? Is he like he has the setup for it? I played. I played a, a. He had like a rock band birthday in 2021. Amazing, and it was awesome. That's yeah. such a good idea. Um, <clears throat> Mark, how do you feel about the uh, the drum set? The difference in the drum sets between uh, Rock Band and Guitar Hero. I never owned the Guitar Hero one, so like when uh, it became like Guitar Hero, like World Tour and stuff, yeah. I feel like you had to you had to choose a side because yep. apartments were only so big. You could only have so many plastic instruments. 
Um, and so I, and you couldn't, you, could you use them across? I honestly can't remember. No, I mean, the, the drums you couldn't because uh, the uh, Guitar Hero had uh, three, like, three toms and then like two little snare pads or not snare pads, cymbal pads. Um, and the rock band one was just four pads. Hmm. Oh yeah. I, so yeah, never, I, I don't, I'm sure I played at some point the guitar hero ones, but I never owned it for myself. Mm, dang. Uh, and, and the, the biggest crime is you couldn't use uh, DK bongos as drums <laughs> on either. Here we one. go again with this DK bongos propaganda. Uh, Mark, how about your number five? Uh, my number five is Final Fantasy IX. So I, I think that Final Fantasy IX is kind of the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade of the Final Fantasy seven, VII, eight, and nine <laughs> set. Right, like seven is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Everybody loved it. It's like wow, this is amazing. Changed video games. Uh, eight is like Temple of Doom, where people are like, I don't know about this. This is a little weirder yeah. and a little like uh, more upsetting, and I don't really get it. And so in nine, they're like, let's play the hits. And uh, I actually think the metaphor falls apart a little bit for me because I like Raiders of the Lost Ark is clearly the best Indiana Jones movie. And while Last Crusade is good, I personally like Final Fantasy IX more than I like um, Seven. Mm. And I think it's because uh, for me, it is kind of like a, um, it feels like a finale. Like after Final Fantasy IX, Final Fantasy changed and it feels like taking so much of what people it really is like playing the hits like so much of what people liked from the great Final Fantasies of the past and representing it in this like new kind you know it's like the last on the original PlayStation I, there's just something about it that feels so magical to me mm. uh, I even I did not play this game when it first came out. I didn't own a PlayStation. It wasn't until like the Xbox 360 era that I borrowed my friend's PlayStation 2 and I was I replayed like a ton of PlayStation <laughs> and PlayStation 2 games. And so I was playing a lot of RPGs of this era and I just think that there's something really special about Final Fantasy 9. I at the first time I played it, I really disliked the character of Vivi. <laughs> wow, uh, you're a monster. I, I yeah. don't. This is a take I don't get, I, Mark. I, yeah. and, and, I, and I have I have not played this game for myself for a very long time. But maybe like six months ago or something, there was a uh, I can't remember if it was a speed run that happened as part of Games Done Quick in 2023, or if I was like watching an old one. I'm not sure. But there was a speed run where like a group of four people basically. Oh, because you can't you can't really like skip big chunks of Final Fantasy IX. And so they just had to essentially like play the whole game, but just um, like uh, use, uh, what am I trying to say? Like use their resources as uh, optimally as, as possible. Yeah. yeah, like efficiently as possible. And watching it again, it just reminded me how much I loved that game, but not like having to play it and not having to worry about like the weird slowdown when the battles are loading and all that kind of stuff. I appreciated the story. Maybe it's just because I'm older and everything makes me cry <laughs> now. But like uh, I um, just really appreciated the story of it a lot more. And I really appreciate I like I found Vivi's arc moving in a way that when I was younger and I played it, I just found it really annoying. Um, so, yeah, I love Final Fantasy IX. And that's my pick for number five. Amazing pick. I love it. Uh, 
a game that I, I, it's one of those that I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever get to it. I have it on PlayStation 1, but I genuinely just don't know if the time is going to come. Uh, um, Drew, why don't we go to you and get your number five? I want to just first of all support Final Fantasy IX as being like a like such an achievement. It's like it, it's on my honorable mentions. It didn't make it into my top ten, but like what Mark says is true. It does feel like a tribute to everything that came before it, especially after Final Fantasy VIII, which I consider to be like the WB um, hour long teen drama of Final uh-huh. Fantasy games. And they're like, <laughs> for this one, they're like, Final Fantasy. <laughs> what if everyone was like squash faced and looked weird and like wasn't sexy? And it works really well. I love it so much. Well, um, and uh, sorry, I just want to like tag on to that. That uh, I, I love that the core four characters in Final Fantasy IX are just like uh, the characters from the original Final Fantasy. You've got a thief, you've got a warrior, you've got a black mage, you've got a white mage. Th- those are your your core four. That's uh, Steiner, Zidane, Dagger, and um, mm. uh, who am I missing? Oh, Vivi. Vivi. Um, yeah. uh, that okay, like, you you live in a glass house here, Patrick. I know, Forget and I love Vivi. throwing stones. <laughs> But no, it's, I mean, like, it, it's it's a perfect, like, end cap statement to what was started in Final Fantasy 1. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, but Drew, your fifth pick. Fifth pick. Uh, you know, for this one, I actually put Segan Densetsu 3 Trials of Mana, but I already talked about this. So I'm going to just, like, ignore rankings and pick something from my honorable mentions list. Okay, cool. Which, for the purposes of being quirky and moving things on the fly, I'm going to say Paneled Upon. For the Super NES, Hell yeah. which is a puzzle game, is my favorite puzzle game. And uh, it came out in the U.S. under the name Tetris Attack, and they replaced the original characters with characters from Yoshi's Island, which I think was probably like a good decision for marketing purposes, because the original characters in Paneled Upon are these like cutesy little fairies. Like you're the main character is a flower fairy, and all the other fairies, there's like a sea fairy and like an ice fairy. And it's like the girliest thing ever. And it's a beautiful aesthetic. If you see like screenshots from what this game looks like in practice, they're super cute, they're really appealing. But I think Nintendo was like, I think the cutesiness of this, the girliness of this, is undercutting our ability to sell it. So we're gonna kick the fairies out, go away fairies, and replace them with like Yoshi and Poochie and like K-Mac and a bunch of characters from Yoshi's Island, which was like the Mario game that just came out before that game got ported. But um, I downloaded the ROM in my freshman year in college. And when I wanted a study break, I would play on these insanely hard levels. And the puzzle aspect is like you're swapping um, squares. It's like a square that you're trying to line up similar colors. And so you're looking at this grid of colored tiles and you're trying to move them around um, under a time limit and you're playing against someone. Uh, It's very high pressure. And I played it so much that I have this vivid memory of stopping the game and going to pee in like the dorm bathroom Mm -hmm. and so there's a urinal and like it's like you know a gross college bathroom so it's like tiles like it's a a tiled wall and I started to see the colors of the tiles from (laughs) paneled upon in the I was like I think I'm playing too much video games I think I should stop Um, but like this was like um, uh, a fun way to take a break from like the transition into my first year of college and um, experience a Nintendo property that I had never experienced otherwise and now I love those dumb little fairies and I wish we got to see them in other games Aw, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. This is unrelated to the game itself. Uh, may I ask where you went to college? UC Santa Barbara. Oh, bananas! No, that's Santa Cruz's. Banana that's Santa Cruz. Slugs. Were the were the were the Gauchos because they thought they they were we should have been the Vaqueros because they thought they were naming us after the Mexican cowboy, but they didn't know what that was and they named us the Gauchos. Even though Gauchos are from Argentina, it's real bad. It's, real bad. <laughs> it's well, I, I, it's not a good school. Don't don't go to don't go to UC Santa Barbara. 
Uh, so that's not an endorsement for UCSB. Uh, no. But Drew, yeah. thank you for sharing your number five. That was great. Uh, so relatable about seeing a puzzle game, just staring at a wall. Mm-hmm. Like, gosh, we, Patrick, I bet, has been there. And Mr. Ellers, what about your number five? Uh, I just wanted to add that uh, Paneled Upon is playable on the Nintendo Switch Online. Um, so oh, in, it's in the original form? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, maybe I'll play that tonight. Um, that's that's how I uh, f- first played it, um, is uh, on, on, on Switch. Um, my number five, I guess five is just like the, the Final Fantasy uh, slot among five the... Five Fantasy. Sorry. Yep. Final Fantasy five. Fine. Fine. Mine is Final Fantasy six, um, which is my my favorite in the series. I did kind of waffle a little bit here because I, I knew I wanted to have a Final Fantasy, but I couldn't really narrow down which one in my honorable mentions are seven and seven remake. Um, mm. But uh, I mean, uh, six is uh, the, the game that hit me at like just the right time. I had played Final Fantasy uh, four. Uh, which I knew then as two um, on the Super NES at like a friend's house and had rented it. Um, and I had asked for it for Christmas one year. Um, and my grandmother got it for me, or she was uh, like tasked with getting me Final Fantasy two. Um, and uh, instead, uh, the package that I opened, the gift that I opened was Final Fantasy three. And I was so disappointed to get the <laughs> wrong Final Fantasy game. Um, and so like, I don't know, there, there's something about like that moment in time and having like no idea what I was getting into. Um, but just like viewing this game as like a consolation prize of like, you didn't get the thing you want, but like here it is anyway. Um, and then it, you know, starts with that, uh, slow walk to, uh, the snowy village of Narsh, uh, in these like in Megatech armor. Um, uh, and then it just like, g- the game doesn't let up for, like a hundred hours uh, and it's got this incredible cast of 14 characters. Um, every one I love more than the last, except for Gao. Gao can go to hell. Um, oh, whoa. The wild boy from the Velt. I don't need him. He's too wild. He's too out of control. What about his have, epilogue in the some... world of ruin? What about his epilogue where he meets his dad? That That is very sweet. Yeah. And yeah. sad. Yeah. Okay. Patrick, his children take note. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, this game is just, so dang special. Uh, I it's one that I've like returned to year after year, even though I've never finished it. Um, I've only ever gotten to the world of ruin, and I end up stopping there, which is got, like a sad. shame on me. Because you got sad. What'd you say? Sorry, you got sad. Oh, so sad. I was like, yeah. where are my friends? I can't find them. The world's terrible. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's that's when I light up. Like I, I think the first half of the game in the world of balance is is great and I love it. Um, but when it gets so sad, and with the one character that you're with after the world ends, uh, Celeste, if she doesn't uh, rescue the old man Sid that saved her, um, she tries to oh. throw herself off a cliff and commit suicide. And like as a you know twelve year old kid or whatever, I was like, yes, yes, yes. Gosh, that's <laughs> uh, like I, I just wanted to live in that sadness. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of the things that I, I like about, um, Final Fantasy seven as well, that like, uh, the characters are just like fighting against, uh, you know, otherworldly evil and the world fucking ends anyway. Um, like there's, there's something very appealing about that to me that like, uh, the world may end, but like we're, we're fighting against it together. Um, and I feel like six does such a 
more powerful job of that for me than uh, to to me than than Seven does mm-hmm. uh, because the cast is so much bigger and because you have so much agency in yeah. how much of them you uh, reassemble in the world of Ruin. Yes, uh, so good. Uh, that's your number five. How about your number four? My number four. Okay, this is a cowardly move on my part, mm. and I apologize. Hey, I'm familiar with these. Uh, this is a cowardly move. My number four is a tie between <gasps> The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, and The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. I don't, know, I don't know how to separate these games in my mind. No, I think that's fair. I have more than other things you could tie. Like, your last tie was just unreasonable, but this yeah. tie makes sense to me. Uh, and I don't... Uh, I mean, I, what is there to say about uh, Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom? They're just such uh, hugely open games. Um, that you know allow you to they're, they're the switch embodied in a video game as, as far as I'm concerned um, like the, the promise of the switch was play games however you want wherever you want um, and uh, it's insane that it launched with a game whose mission statement was the same mm-hmm. um, uh, and then Tears of the Kingdom just did that better uh, and with more stuff and had uh, a better executed story um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I will remember my first playthroughs of both those games, even though I've logged like a hundred plus hours in each one. Uh, it, it feels like uh, those are the my memories of playing those games are like uh, like life experiences, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got tears on my list. It's my one B Breath of the Wild. Who knows? Could have been there. And yeah, that was like it's hard as much as I do prefer tears. You, it's impossible to ignore that like it is standing on the shoulders of breath of the wild while I think it still continues to innovate like yeah. breath of the wild did. Uh, but it doesn't happen without that. So, right. Well, and, and there's also like the, there's nothing quite like the, uh, the couple days after breath of the wild came out when we were all like seeing pictures that people were sharing, um, like from their gameplay and be like, where did you get that outfit? Where were you? You know, like, um, it, it feels like, uh, you come back home from like, uh, the first year of college and meet up with your friends and you're like, you did what you were where, what has your life been the last year? Yeah. Um, that's, that's like the experience of like meeting up with people after their first week of playing yes. uh, breath of the wild. Cause it just felt so big and so uncharted. Um, mm. and, you know, there's that like common refrain of like, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know yeah. you could do this. Like, um, and it was so cool to have that repeated for me, at least with tears and seeing. Absolutely. To, and I never scratched the surface of what people did, but I loved seeing it. Um, yeah. Patrick, building stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This is just such a great number four. Uh, and I will be judging the rest of these from here on out. Uh, Drew, <laughs> how about your number four? Um, you know, there's an animal loose in your house, right? Yeah, she's okay. she's she's actually over here right now sniffing uh, my Lucas amiibo. Oh no, she's down here. Um, oh, that's Daphne. I don't know if you met on our previous podcast. No, no, I would have remembered a Daphne. I just wanted yeah. to make sure you knew. I, I, yes. You never, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> although interesting tie-in because uh, my number four is actually Earthbound. <gasps> oh, what an all-timer. Hmm. Tell um, tell me about what you think about this game. So um, Earthbound is the game that gives us Ness, who I think most people know from Smash Brothers, and to a lesser extent, Lucas is also there. Mm-hmm. But um, I got really sick in high school. I don't know remember what it was. I was just out of school for like a while and um, 
had to, my, the doctor told me I had to like lay low. And mm. my mom's like, here, I got you this for like, I don't know, your birthday or Christmas. And I didn't give it to you because like it got lost in the shuffle and it was earthbound. Like the big box earthbound has oh. the player's guide inside it. And it was like, oh, I will play this. And <laughs> um, like rode out being sick, getting into earthbound and then continue to play it like probably my junior year in high school. Mm -hmm. And it is such a great RPG. It is so weird. It is one of the weirdest things Nintendo has ever done. The only thing weirder than making Earthbound is bringing it to the United States and <laughs> like yes. illegal Beatles samples and all. And it is this trippy um, game that is sort of making fun of America and that it's like um, a Dragon Warrior style RPG, but set in basically America. And it's a Japanese person being like, this is what I think America's like. And it's very funny and it's very weird. And at times is very emotional and very sad and is one, like Weird Nintendo is my favorite Nintendo. And I think Earthbound is a really good example of how weird Nintendo can get and still like put out like a really solid game. Yeah. Um... This is one that, yeah, I, I was kind of a classic kid, only knew Ness from the original Smash Brothers. Yeah. Never attempted to play. I think I had tried Earthbound on an emulator at some point in my life, but just couldn't get into it until right. the SNES Classic fell into my life. And, like, that either th that or Mother 3 are also both honorable mentions for me. Like, just so special. Uh, Wildly, I've never played Mother 3 because <sighs> I have always been told that like emulation doesn't get you quite to where it should be. Like the emulated version isn't what it would have been like playing on a proper like port on Game Boy Advance. And I was always in my head just waiting for Nintendo to release Mother 3. Yeah. And of course, I've never played it as a result. And maybe I should make myself do that one day. But I... Um, I highly recommend it. I played it at uh, the beginning of last year for the first time, and I prefer it slightly. They they have different strengths, I think. Patrick actually has my translated, uh, my fan translation copy. That's right. Uh, but hard recommend if you like Earthbound, Drew. And you, pl uh, you, played, you played it on what? I played it on, like, a, it, a fan translated GBA cart on my analog pocket. That's so right. I tried okay. to emulate that experience. Okay, so, yeah, I learned about the existence of this system, I think, through... NCS talking about it and I was mm. like well, that's, that sounds like something I should want one day and if I had more time to play video games I probably would have sunk it into that by now yes. but um, yeah I, I, I owe it to myself to experience this like other classic someday right? uh, yeah. well that's wonderful uh, Mark we're back to you for your number four my number four is the original Donkey Kong Country on oh. the Super Nintendo um this is a game that I really love, and part of it is because I have such fond memories of playing it with my siblings. I remember, you know, it being like rainy outside. We're playing Donkey Kong Country with the music like turned off while we're blasting the Les Miserables soundtrack. You know, just living, <laughs> just living the good life. Um, but I, I think even now, like uh, I, um, there's something really, you know, Patrick and I right now we're doing a whole month about. Mar uh, Mario versus Donkey Kong and in our last episode we talked about uh, comparing Super Mario World f from the SNES and then Donkey Kong Country and they're very different games very different styles of platforming very different like goals but there is something that persists about Donkey Kong Country in a way that like yes Super Mario World is uh, is a, a hands down stole cult classic no doubt about it, but something like Donkey Kong Country permeated the culture in a way that I don't really think Super Mario World has. Uh, like Donkey Kong Country persists, and uh, I, I I really love that game. Yeah, it 
maybe made a bigger I don't know maybe it was because it came out in 94 as opposed to 90 with War, Super Mario World but I, I I feel like I hear from more people who are not like serious gamers or not hard Nintendo people that are like Donkey Kong Country I remember loving that mm-hmm. it certainly helped that like Donkey Kong Country when this game came out was inescapable Nintendo yeah. was a little bit in, mm-hmm. of you know a little in a corner and so the marketing blitz for Donkey Kong Country was truly out of control and so it was it was inescapable I think in a way that even like Super Mario World was not hmm. yeah I saw, well, and, I, and I still have my VHS copy that Nintendo sent oh, me yes. a, oh. as like an advertisement for how great this game was gonna be mm-hmm. I still have that somewhere it was it was I, I never got a VHS from Nintendo otherwise <laughs> Good you didn't get the uh, the uh, the Star Fox 64 one from like a year later I didn't get that I only got Donkey Kong mm-hmm. Country um, yeah. Mark, you and I were talking about this on uh, our most recent episode of NCS, but uh, Donkey Kong Country also at that time looked like the future because yeah. um, it was using those pre-rendered uh, graphics and like turning them into sprites. Um, and so like it it made everything else on um, Super NES or Genesis look like it was from the Stone Age. Um, yeah. And it's it's laughable now because like you look at it and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it looked like it was from out of time. Yeah, agree. Uh, fantastic, Mark. Number four, what an iconic game. How about your number three? Oh, wait. I also wanted to just uh, jump in to say, Mark, that was your number one Super NES game on the episode that we did with uh, Connor and Jeremy a year ah. ago. Yeah, I mean, that checks out. I don't have a Super Nintendo game higher on uh, my list today than So we know Donkey he tells Kong the Country. truth. That's important. <laughs> um, okay, so my number three, top three I really struggled with. Well... I knew I knew the games struggled with the order, but mm. my number my number three is Super Mario Brothers three, and it is one because it is a game that I find endlessly replayable. I that is definitely probably like my most played Mario game. I love the kind of like bite sized nature of the levels. Everything is so fast paced in Super Mario Brothers three, um, but it's another one where my kind of like my fondest memories of the initial playthrough was when I wasn't playing at all because I had older siblings. And so my oldest sister, she's the one who would play and we would all just like sit around and watch her and like cheer her on. And I remember her defeating Bowser for the first time. And, you know, there's the little gag where it's like, you know, uh, thanks Mario, but our princess is in another castle throwing back to the first Mario game. And all of us totally being taken by it we couldn't believe it until the ha 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 shows up on the screen it's so slow the laugh is ha 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 not how anyone's ever laughed not a real laugh (laughs) and that's that's just like a priceless memory for me i i love super mario brothers 3 i the hype when it was coming out the mcdonald's toys um it was it was um probably like the first I was old enough at that point to, like, we didn't get Nintendo Power or anything like that, but by living, existing in the universe, I knew that Super Mario Bros. 3 was a big deal. And Seeing I really the loved wizard that in the theater? <laughs> no, didn't, you know, didn't didn't do that, but uh, uh, yeah, really loved that game. Gosh, that, until I think last year, was my personal favorite 2D Mario, and it, because it, it was the one I fascinated about growing up. My I had one and two, but my family that we would visit in St. Louis had three, and I couldn't believe how good it was. Uh, 
So, but World has unfortunately, uh, I guess for you, unfortunately, Mark, who cares? World has supplanted it uh, to this day. Uh, He's got but, two more slots. World could appear again. Well, no, because Donkey Kong Country is my yeah, oh, yeah, right, right. Super Nintendo game. Yeah. yeah. Um, Drew, wait, can I ask a threes, question about yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the the end of Super Mario Brothers three? Um, within the canon, within like the world, diegetically, um, how does uh, Peach know to make that joke? I assume the Toads told her after the fact. They're like, oh, we kept telling him, not here, keep going. They must have told is, her. Yeah. Is, Pe- is Peach, I honestly can't, is Peach making, the, is she saying it, or is it just like an omniscient like narrating? No, she's saying no, she, it. It's, it's, she's making it. It's the only time she's ever tried to be funny in her life. <laughs> now, that's how you princess. Yeah. Um, speaking of number threes, Drew, we're back to you. Um, I did see The Wizard in the theater, by the way, and oh, yeah. at the time I'm like, this movie is amazing, and then I watched it as an adult, and I was like, this is such a weird experience. Like, what did I think <laughs> this movie was? Is Jenny Lewis, is this character supposed to be like, is she okay? Is she like, she's a runaway. No, is she- she's in crisis, that whole movie. Yeah, this is just like, wait, she's not, she's not like, she's not in sex work, is she? But it's like, she is like close to being forced into sex work, and she's just living on her own, and she's yeah. around all these dangerous people. It's a weird, weird movie. Anyway, my number three uh, 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 is Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest. <gasps> Whoa! Which is, I love Donkey Kong Country. I think it's a really good game. I think Donkey Kong Country 2 is better, despite the fact that you can't play as Donkey Kong in it. Um, Donkey Kong Country, for all its beauty and vibes and fun factor is sometimes feels like a not fully complete game. There's this one stage where like nothing happens. It's like, I think it's called like Misty Walkway or Wacky Walkway or something. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Where you just like walk through it and it's just like, oh, that's it? It's just, it's like a not a level. And it seems in like certain ways it like wasn't completely polished. And I feel like Donkey Kong Country 2 is more polished in that like the theming is a little bit tighter. I actually love Dixie Kong. Um, I love um, a female chimp with a big blonde ponytail for no reason. Um, <laughs> like a pink beret. Yeah. And I love um, the pirate theming throughout. Um, oh. I, I, I I think the music, like Donkey Kong Country has like iconic music that's lasted. Donkey Kong Country 2, I don't think has the mainstream appeal, but I think overall its soundtrack is better. And then Donkey Kong Country 3 loses something because I don't like Kitty Kong and they don't have Dave Wise back to the soundtrack. So it doesn't quite feel like the same experience. But like, I love Donkey Kong Country 2. I think it's just a beautiful game. And it's it's edges have been polished in a way that Donkey Kong Country 2 maybe hasn't because they wanted to get it out the door. I don't really know what the deal was there. But like both very good games. But like this is the one that I'm drawn to because mm. also I like playing as a female chimp with a ponytail. Yeah. She's so good. Like I'm a Diddy stan, but Dixie is like my favorite character to play as in that game. In the whole series, really. Yeah, no, I'm same. Um, it is it is a travesty that we got Tiny Tiny Kong and Donkey Kong sixty four. Dixie it's Erasure. A, yeah. It's it's amazing that they put out three of those games in three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're all good. Like like I think Donkey Kong Country three is the least of the three, but it's it's a great game. Yeah, a great soundtrack, and it looks great and um, better than most of the stuff that came out that year. It's just not one or two. Yeah, yeah. DKC two. Gosh, such a good one. Um, mm-hmm. And I think actually gets a little harder than Donkey Kong at the country at the very end. There's like a tower level that I remember driving me crazy. On the oh, chains? I think the, you're cl- climbing up the chains? I, it might be. Yeah. yeah. I think the whole game, personally, I think the whole game is way more difficult than the first one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Right. 
Yeah. The uh, the opening theme really gives me such Hook vibes, and Hook is like an all timer nostalgia movie for me. Yeah, yeah, I never thought about that before, but uh, yeah, um, th- somehow they figured out how to communicate pirate through music. Yes, yeah, they did. Uh, yeah, it's, well, it's what really a great cool. number three, uh, Patrick. We're back to you for your number three. Uh, uh, Connor, if you are, uh, what, what's, what's the form of your, um, game where you are predicting games that appear on my list? Is it, do you take a drink when, when I name the game or are you just, you know, I didn't have like a consequence for myself, but yeah. I will take a drink of this, uh, beer that is getting low. If one of them appears, uh, number three is super Mario 3d world. There we go. <laughs> uh, it's uh, a, 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 this is and specifically, I'm referring to the Wii U version of it. Um, the the Switch version is is also great, and I love uh, Bowser's Fury. Um, but the speeding up of the game in general, um, I think, messes with the balance just a little bit, uh, and Toad becomes a borderline unplayable character in the Switch version. Um, but in, in the Wii U version, everything's a little bit slower and a little bit better. Um, but it's it's sort of my a uh, perfect mix of 2D and 3D Mario, um, and the uh, the fact that you can play it uh, co-op, uh, it just I, I don't know. Every level becomes like a super fun uh, experience of like getting from point A to point B and exploring a, a bite-sized space um, as fast as you can. And uh, I don't know. I, this this is a game that I've I've played to completion. I believe three three times, and by completion I mean 100%ing it. Um, and then I've played through it several times on top of that. Um, so like, uh, I, I almost can't justify it over, uh, like galaxy two or odyssey or even super Mario brothers three or super Mario world. Um, but I can't stop playing it. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's gotta go on my list. Uh, gosh, I just like internally smack talked this game for years. Cause I was like, there's no way this weird looking, not 2D, not 3D game is going to come close to the ones that I adore. And then I played it and I was like, wow, this is awesome. this is yeah. fantastic. So, um, wow, Patrick, this is definitely one that I thought was going to be on your list. I've got one more that I'm that I'm pretty sure is on here. We'll see. Uh, speaking of, let's hear your number 2. Well, it, it looked like Mark wanted to say something. I, I just want oh, I just want to I just want to sing the praises of the end of 3D World because I yes. think it's an it's an example of something Nintendo has done really well in the past f- decade or so mm-hmm. where they like it it pays off things that are like mechanics that are introduced earlier in the game in such a like delightful and fun way that when it happens you're like of course Bowser gets like the cat bell and becomes right. a giant cat. Of course the like double cherry like pays off here at the end. And I feel like they do it in Odyssey. Like it's yeah. again, it's it's one of those things like the end of 3D World happens and you're like, I should have seen it coming because all the elements were there, but I wasn't right. expecting it. Quite yeah, like a Herald, right, Mark? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yep, but I, like uh, Mark's right, that is like Nintendo's thing this generation, right? Because like like you say, Odyssey does it, um, uh, Tears of the Kingdom does it uh, in a way where you're like, ah, oh, yes, there were all these pieces here. This makes sense, and it's so epic when they jam them all together. Uh, Pikmin Four does it. Uh, it's just like that's this is what Nintendo does now when they're firing on all all cylinders. What's weird is that they did that in Super Mario Land 2 in the Wario fight where Wario uses evil versions of all Mario's powers. And it's very similar to what Mark's talking about with that Bowser fight. And it's great. But like that was like, what, 1992? And they're like, I'm not going to do that again for like 30 years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
I also think 3D World is such an interesting example of this thing. Like, I mean, never say never. Maybe we'll see a sequel mm -hmm. in the 3D World style. But Nintendo's yeah. like, all right, we experimented with this with 3D Land. We really, we blew it out in 3D World and we like kind of nailed it. And now we're done. Yeah. You know, they could, they could have a 2D series going. They could have a 3D World style series going plus an Odyssey style series going. And they're like, no, I think we did everything we could do with 3D World. We're done. Let's move on to something else. Right. And and everything that they didn't do, they like sort of made up for in like Captain Toad Treasure Tracker and yeah. uh, Bowser's Fury. So like, uh, yeah, it, it, it is weird. The the evolutionary dead ends uh, in Nintendo are always so fascinating. So, but don't you think that because they had such success with Bowser's Fury, people really like Bowser's Fury, that they could mm -hmm. use that as um like a base for another expansion into like something bigger um, using that 3D World engine? My... Yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead, ahead Patrick. No, I was no, no you say, go. I was just going to say, my personal theory is the fact that Bowser's Fury exists means it is like a, a dead end that they were like, you know, because it was developed by NST, I want to say, like in the US. And I think it was like, sure, yeah, go nuts. But the reason that we, but we, I don't think Bowser's Fury is the prelude to something like, I don't think the next 3D Mario game is going to look like Bowser's Fury. I think Bowser's Fury is a interesting experiment that they were like, cool, but we don't we, yeah. we don't really have any use for this. Interesting. That that it's a, a coda to uh, 3D World and not an epilogue to something else. Hmm. Gotcha. The weird thing is, it's also kind of a coda to Odyssey, like um, because yeah. it, it 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 borrows the DNA of both those games. Right, it does. Yeah, big time. Uh, sadly, after I didn't play 3D World until the Switch version came out, and then I was like, "Great, I'll play Bowser's Fury at some point." And then my my cartridge got stolen. So, Patrick, oh. I will need to borrow yours at some point to play Fury because I want to play it. It's so good. Bowser's Fury is is wonderful. It's like yeah. the glaring omission on my Mario series history. Um, well, that was 3D World. How about? Your two D. What's your second pick? <laughs> uh, my second pick is Hades. Ooh, um, oh my goodness! Uh, Hades fucking rips. Uh, a a top down uh, roguelike game where you play as Zagreus, son of Hades himself, trying to escape from hell. Um, and uh, every time you d all, all the deaths are uh, diegetic, um, so you like go back to Hades and have to like continue to try and fight your way out. Um, and uh, the game isn't over when you finish a run. Um, you just have to like keep doing it over and over again uh, until you can like actually escape um, from the underworld. Uh, the characters are so rich and so well realized and so well acted. Um, and the relationships that you forge with them, the upgrades that you earn as you die over and over again uh, are all so compelling and so exciting. Uh, Hades is a game that like when I... Uh, when I was like into it, when I was playing, uh, it would be like the thing that occupies my idle thoughts because um, uh, it's just so uh, it's just so fun and varied and cool. And like the moment to moment uh, action and combat is uh, incredible. Like it's just it's it's my uh, second favorite game uh, of all time. Wow. Uh, a game that uh, on an on, I think, our top 10 games of all time, part two. Um, I believe we had two, if not three people listed in their top 10. And one of those being, we've talked about it a million times, but friend of the show, voice actor, Courtney Venez, who voices mm -hmm. Dusa, Dusa and Aphrodite. I think she didn't put it at her top, 
because she was like, this feels like I'm uh, propping myself up too much, but she definitely could have because it's so good. Um, Patrick, number two, Hades. What a choice. Number two, Drew two. To Drew, your second, yeah, you're up next. I know we're not rebutting each other in this podcast, but um, Hades is just something I couldn't, it never clicked for me. And mm. I think I may not like roguelike games. I think like the core structure of roguelike is like antithetical to my experience of video games where I'm like, well, like it's different now. Like I feel like the, 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 the metric of progress is not what I recognize as being like what I want. It was, it's just a really weird thing to have so many people be like, oh, this game's like one of the best games I've ever played. And you just be like, I, I absolutely do not get it. Um, and I'm jealous of people who do get it because uh, people seem to have found a lot of satisfaction and enjoyment in that game. And I just couldn't get my head around it and stop playing it and never went back to it. And uh, that's too bad. But so um, number two on your list, Hades. Hades. <laughs> <laughs> no, my number two is the thing I probably should have come on to your podcast to talk about in the first place. It's Darkstalkers 3. Darkstalkers oh. is my favorite Capcom fighting game um, just because it is beautiful. Um, if you don't know what it is, just picture um, hand-drawn Street Fighter, but everyone is in drag as movie monsters. So you have a Dracula, a Wolfman, a Mummy, um, a cat girl, like a, a creature from the Black Lagoon, but like animated in that like bonkers Capcom style. And the like logic to this universe is more wild than Street Fighter is. And it's just um, a beautiful thing to behold. Like there's the animation is so lovingly rendered and the fighting mechanics are really interesting because Capcom essentially used it as like a testing ground for new features before they port them into Street Fighter. So you'd be like, do people like this? And if people liked it in Darkstalkers, they'd kick it over into Street Fighter. So a lot of things that were innovations in Street Fighter actually came from Darkstalkers initially, which is a really interesting thing about that. And you had three games, one, two, three, three is the last one, and they will probably never make another one. If they do, it won't be drawn in this style. It will probably be rendered more like Street Fighter is now, Hmm. Um, which is too bad, but it's also the way fighting games work now, that that um, Mm two-dimensional drawn style just doesn't make sense unfortunately. Um, and Capcom allegedly was trying to testing out whether to make a new one and, uh, abandon it. And, uh, who knows if we'll ever get another dark stalkers game, but I love it. It's like a sexy, weird, fun, goofy game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I I love how like unapologetically sexy it is. Um, like it just, it's just like right out there. And you know, even if they're never going to make another Darkstalkers again, they can't let the characters of uh, Morgan and uh, Felicia go. Like they're in like every Capcom mashup thing. They're like, well, we got to put our like sexy bat lady and our sexy cat lady in everything. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I, I dated a guy who was aware of my fascination with this game, but didn't know the characters. And he was just like, what, what's that character's name? Boob lady. I'm like M- Morgan. Mor- her name is Morgan. <laughs> but I, I do think that her official canonical name should just be boob lady. Cause that's what she is. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I, Suddenly, I had, go ahead, Mark. I was just gonna say, I had no idea. That's what doc, dark stalkers was. I had heard of it before, but I had are like the first are those returning characters from one and two. I mean, it sounds like uh, I'm not really a fighting game person, but just aesthetically, it sounds like something that uh, yeah I, is sounds really cool. Yeah, so they mostly keep the entire cast together. I think only one character from two doesn't make it to three, and um, three they have three they have this one character named BB Hood, who's like again uh, it's Hood. it's Japan commenting on America. So she's Little Red Riding Hood, but she is actually a monster hunter whose like little picnic basket is full of guns and grenades and knives, and she's sort of like a commentary on like 
violence in America, it's the most interesting thing. And Ooh. I was just like, oh, that's what you guys think we are? You're not wrong. Okay, that's just, that's, <laughs> right. that's interesting. Um, and it's just really good character design. Um, and uh, if you ever want to uh, just watch um, some of the animation mashups on YouTube, if you want to see why this game is great, um, Dimitri has Dimitri is the vampire. He has this social move called Midnight Bliss, where he turns your character into either a female version of a male character, or if it's already female, a sexier version, and then sucks their blood. And you can just watch like um, compilations of all the animations they've done for every Midnight Bliss that Dimitri's ever been in, <laughs> for every game he's ever been in. It's lovingly rendered. It's, it's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, a couple things, Drew. Um, well, so many bones to pick. I kid. Uh, I'm sure on your episode you talked about fighting games, but like seeing the representation on your list, I'm realizing that like how much it seems like you love this genre. Yeah. Well, I'm I so I was born in 82 and this was just how we celebrated birthday parties of like pizza parlor birthday parties and the, everything was like Street yes. Fighter Mortal Kombat um the SNK games like Killer Instinct like that's just what we did. Yeah. Uh, even even the girls like it was just, it was just like this is this is the way we celebrate birthdays is like beating oh. the shit out of each other in the arcade. It's it's amazing. Oh, just the greasiest little fingers on those yeah. arcade cabinets. Just like ruining those machines with our pizza fingers. Yeah, um, that's, yeah. This is unimportant, but Patrick, I believe, also was born in 1982. Correct, correct. Patrick? Mm-hmm. August 14th? 24th. Oh, I'm, I'm a June baby, so I'm two months older. Okay. Uh, Great. Well, well I'm going to remember your birthday. Uh, But uh, that is fun. Uh, uh, And and this is a Drew, bit of should, a tease. Should we celebrate our birthdays at uh, an arcade this year? Oh my God! Yes, um, in July. That, in July, when there's uh, after Fourth of July, when there's nothing to celebrate. Yay! Or that—that's my new Fourth of July. It's your yeah. uh, joint birthday, <laughs> um, Mark. And we got to know what day is your birthday. My birthday? Yeah, you don't have to say the year, by the way. Sixth <laughs> uh, of December. Okay. Mm. Yes. Yes. And, yes. And, and your mother's maiden name. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> mm, suddenly, I have all his info. Uh, this is a bit of a tease, but before we move on to Mark for his uh, last couple picks, um, we're on. Ep- this is episode 198 of the show. It's not that I'm running out of guests, but guests are harder and harder to come by for individual, uh, you know, a nostalgia episodes. So. After episode 200, I'm going to start bringing back past guests to do wow. uh, additional solo episodes. So, Drew, if Darkstalkers 3 ends up being your pick, uh, then it, then you could come back and talk about that game. I will tell you so, so much more than you ever would want to know about this video <laughs> game, I swear. Uh, but, like, let's do it for Halloween because that's it was Halloween week when that episode ran. It should have been a Halloween episode. It was a no-brainer. We're going to be making up for so much. I can't okay. wait. Uh, well, thank you, Drew, for your number two. Uh, Mark... I'm going to turn to you for your number two as I as I uh, want your pick, and also I'm going to try to get my cat out of this room because she keeps <laughs> chirping at me. But Mark, start us down the road of your number two. Okay. Um, so I my number my number two pick is Fallout Three. I had never played a Bethesda RPG before, and I'd never played a Fallout game before. The Xbox 360 was the first like a uh, non-Nintendo console that I ever personally owned. And I owned a Wii. Like, th- th- it was a period where I was into video games big. I had a Wii, had a Nintendo DS. I had an Xbox, Xbox 360 that eventually 
all my friends had a PlayStation 3, so I eventually sold my 360 and got a PlayStation 3. But um, I loved Fallout 3. I put so many hours into Fallout 3 that when uh, I've still never played New Vegas because when New Vegas was released, I bought it. I was so excited. I started it and I was like, I can't do this again. It's too soon. <laughs> I lost like 200 hours to Fallout 3. I, um, you know, I, I played Skyrim, loved Skyrim. I played Fallout 4, enjoyed Fallout 4. But there was something about Fallout 3 that hit the perfect time in my life. Like the setting, uh, I love like the... Um, the radio? the radio station yeah yep, like the music that played um so like that like that like mid-century or i guess really like earlier but like aesthetic but post-apocalyptic like all that kind of stuff the different um like ways you could interact with the world like it truly felt endless to me i man i just really love fallout 3 i it's one of my favorite video game playing experiences ever you know, Mark, I, I never uh, put this together before, but like, do you think the sort of like retro futurism of Fallout, uh, of like the Fallout games, uh, and you liking it is connected to like your love of like Disney Park stuff, which also I, like is that totally, same retro futurism? I, I think like theme park stuff, like for sure. I mean, there's so at California Adventure at Dis at like Disneyland, there is there used to be a ride called the Tower of Terror. Now it's like a Guardians of the Galaxy ride. It still exists in other theme parks. But it has like a, um, like uh, it, when you were waiting in line for the Tower of Terror, it had a soundtrack that was not the same, but like very similar in, you know, reminiscent the mood for that, sure. Yeah, the mood that is trying to evoke that like Fallout 3 is. And yeah, I, I totally think that's true. Like, um, I like fantasy environments, but you know, like the Skyrim and that, like, uh, Elder Scrolls has never hit the same way that Fallout fallout does for me because i think there's just something about the aesthetics of fallout that i really like mm. absolutely ah uh, i I, t I think i'm certain i've told you mark because i've heard you talk about this game before but i just gave this game a shot uh fall of 2022 because i was kind of in a gaming hole and i ended up playing like 25 hours of it and once i got the whole of the vat system loved it are you excited for the show I am excited. I'm qualified because I sound uh, very excited. Well, I I <laughs> I don't know the plot has ever been Fallout. You know, like the uh, Bethesda Fallout games, sure. plot has never been their thing. I uh, did not like Westworld mm -hmm. um, at all, and it's from the same showrunners. So yes. I. In theory, it could be cool, but I I would say my uh, I I have. Low expectations. Yeah. Who's who's, okay. who's making it? Like, for what streamer or network is it being made? I think it's you know? Amazon. I think so. Okay. Yeah. I, I would like to think that Amazon were like, sure, you guys can make this. Don't do what you did on Westworld because no one liked it after season one. Like I was, that was bad. You did a bad, and everyone hated it, and that's why it went away. And they're like, okay, yeah, we don't want that to happen again. So we won't. Whatever that was, that was that was that was a weird. That was weird. Yeah. 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 Totally. I'm a cautiously Man. optimistic over here. I I, I want to believe. I also, full disclosure, have a friend who works on the show, so I'm like rooting for it to be good because I want my friend to feel that pride of it coming out and having a warm reception. So uh, I think it comes out this year too, so we'll see pretty soon. Patrick, were you going to say something? Uh, well, I was just going to say it's, it's wild how good that first episode of Westworld is, uh, like how cool and trippy and like they end up not – 
playing that same game through the rest of the season and then through the rest of the series at all. Um, yeah. But that first fucking episode is awesome. I actually liked the first season of that show. And then season two, I was like, I'm confused and just gave up, which is yeah. wild to think about. But um, yeah, if the sh- if Fallout, the TV show, is not good, you have to scream at your friend until your voice is hoarse. <laughs> you know what? Agreed. Uh, no, didn't we learn a lesson from Tina Fey earlier this week? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm too famous to be. You're doing too famous, this. Connor. And Tina, Not when a- she was talking to Bo, and she was talking to me. That's right. <laughs> we are all we are all too famous. We are like basically Bo and Yang level famous, so that we can't we can't say anything. That's bad, right. Though. Oh, yeah. a podcast. This this uh this four. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of screaming until your voice gets hoarse, Mark, we are at your final pick. What is your fit? Fa- oh, Patrick. Number one. Oh, I thought you were saying like, wait, uh, Mark. No, no, no. I was excited that we're here. At this point, Mark, in your life, what is your favorite game of all time? Yeah, my uh, number one pick is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Whoa! And when Pat, uh, you guys were talking about it earlier, I didn't chime in, but I agree with everything you were saying. For me, the reason why I put Breath of the Wild over Tears of the Kingdom, uh, I loved Tears of the Kingdom, and I agree with what you were saying, Patrick, about like it improves so much on like the story of Breath of the Wild. Like they obviously learned a lot from Breath of the Wild, but Breath of the Wild for me was a more uh, special experience because it was like the first hmm. time. And I think something that for me was lost in Tears of the Kingdom, um, partly because like the depths and both both the depths in the Sky Islands were so samey, is uh, what I really loved about Breath of the Wild was that sense of discovery. And like not when you entered a new area, not knowing what was going to be there. And that was lost for me in Tears of the Kingdom. Like I loved being back in Hyrule. It felt very like comfortable and uh, like it was fun to kind of like check in on everybody and see what life was like. But there wasn't that same sense of I don't know what I'm getting into when I go to this area. Like what is there going to be? How am I going to be surprised? And so that sense of like climbing a tower for the first time, unlocking that map and that Hyrule just feeling so big and expansive and endless that that was such that was like so special that Tears of the Kingdom wasn't able to replicate that for me, um, even though it improved a lot like mechanically. I also think just to reiterate what you guys were saying about like the like social aspect of it, I played it Mm -hmm. solo. It's a solo game. But just checking in with friends and being like, did you know you could do this? It was like, no, I didn't do that. I got to go home and like try taking off my shirt and standing on a table and seeing how people react. Right. Like it's packed. And then with- and then you turn the game on. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like it's it's packed with so much like detail and design and surprise. And even in a way that, you know, like kind of like fulfills the promise of what Fallout 3 you know, like if you can, if you can see it, you can, or Skyrim, whatever, like the marketing was like, mm-hmm. if you can see there, you can go there. Like in so much of Breath of the Wild for the first time, it was like, I wonder if I can do this. And uh-huh. then you usually could. And mm. that's what made it, you know, like Breath of the Wild did such a good job of uh, obviously the designers had thought about it and they had like anticipated you making that choice. Not all the time. Right. But like, but there were so many times where it was like, it made you feel like a genius for figuring things out, mm-hmm. even though the tools were all laid out by the developers. I just think it's a it's my favorite gameplay experience, not just playing the game, but socially. The two things that are really important to me in video games 
Um, I think Breath of the Wild achieved that in a way that no other game has for me. Yeah, I think uh, we, we talk about a lot of amazing games on specifically this format of this podcast, but uh, has a <laughs> has quite the strong argument for possibly greatest game ever made, I think. Even though it's like not my top spot, I, I would hear and maybe support that argument. Um, Mark, fantastic. Uh, would you really quick go uh, from t- your 10 to your 1 and relist your uh, games for us? Yeah, so my number 10 is Destiny. Number 9 is Resident Evil 4. Number eight is a tie kind of between Just Dance 2 and Just Dance 4. Really just one song from Just Dance 4. My number seven is Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. My number six is The Beatles Rock Band. Number five is Final Fantasy IX. Number four is Donkey Kong Country. Number three is Super Mario Brothers 3. Number two is Fallout 3. And number one is Breath of the Wild. Awesome. Fantastic. Drew, Mackie, what is your current favorite game of all time? It will probably never be displaced, and as you <gasps> might have guessed from the marquee on my oh. custom arcade machine, is actually Super Mario Brothers Two. Oh. Um, for a little bit of context, I got a Nintendo when Mario Two was out, and this was what Mario looked like. And if you watched like the Mario cartoons, it was heavily weighted in favor of Mario Two. Like there was a ton of shy guys and like vegetable chucking in the Super Mario Bros. Super Show. And I assumed this was just going to be what Mario was going to be for the long run. And I was very happy about this because the idea that you could play as Peach and Toad was like amazing to me. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm just such a weirdo, just being a, a little weird little kid who ended up being a gay man. I was always into the characters that were not the default. And Mario and Luigi are fine. But like if I can play as this weird mushroom dude and a princess, I'm like, I'm going to play as them as much as possible because that sounds awesome. When Mario 3 came out, I was like, oh yeah, you're going to be able to play as Peach and Toad in those games. You're not? No? We're not going to do that anymore? I was just like, why would you abandon that? And over the course of my life, it's been like understanding the unique place that Mario 2 has in the Mario canon, how it came to be Mario 2 in the United States. Um, Mm. And while it was the black sheep of the Mario series for a long time, I probably, I really debated putting Super Mario 3D World in this list, but in my brain, Super Mario 3D World is the follow-up to Mario 2 that we never got anywhere else. And Mm -hmm. it is very much a spiritual successor in like many ways. And uh, I love that game. It's a beautiful game. Uh, but I feel like most of the reasons I love it go back to it reminding me of Super Mario Brothers 2. And it's just such a weird, odd thing that, again, I like Nintendo when it's weird. And um, this is something that was like an outlier in the series for a long time. It slowly found its way back into the mainstream. And I love any time I get like a callback to it in a proper Mario game still. Yeah. It makes me very happy. But it is, it is because it's because it's a little weird. I love little weirds. It is the little weird of Mario. And that's why it's my favorite, because it doesn't function like the other ones do. I love the personality of this game. And I love that the personality and so many of the quirks were taken forward, kind of like you were talking about in the series, even if like some of the mechanics and like uh, different characters being playable is kind of a rare thing in the Mario series. Uh, um, this game, I recently booted up on NSO um, because it's one I've just played countless times in my life, and I I just love the format. I know it's more of an exploration-focused game than like mm. the traditional Mario mm-hmm. 2D games, but ah, I love it. So yeah. I love hearing this is your number one. Uh, Patrick, were you going to say something about this game? Uh, just that it has wart in it. Ta-da. That's accurate. That's that. That's it accurate. Does. 
Yeah. I, no, there is so frequently the Mario default, you know, like you were saying that like you don't care much for the default characters that they make you play in these games. Um, but like the default for almost every fucking Mario game is that Bowser is the villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this one, they're like, nope, it's a weird frog king of dreamland uh, yeah. and wart rules. He lives and in our dreams. We are still waiting to this day for Wart to return to the games in any meaningful way. He was kind of in Mario Maker 2, but not really. And um, one day he'll be back. One day he'll be like, all right, you can play as Wart in this Mario Kart game. And I'm going to lose my shit when that happens because uh, I've been waiting for this for a long time. I, 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 He deserves his place in the canon already. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Fantastic. Uh, Drew, would you mind listing your top 10 favorite games of all time for us? Okay, so uh, number 10, Paper Mario, Thousand Year Door. Number nine, Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Number eight, Final Fantasy Tactics. Number seven, Little Nemo, the Dream Master. Number six, Samurai Showdown 2. Number five, Paneled Upon. Number four, Earthbound. Number three, Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest. I say the entire title because I like that most people get it wrong and don't realize it's a pun. Diddy's <laughs> Conquest. That's great. Darkstalkers 3, number two, and then number one, Super Mario Brothers 2. Uh, this might be the most eclectic list we've had on the show so far. There's no award for it. You don't get any extra, uh, like high fives for me, but it's just, what a list. I love this. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a strange person. I have (laughs) contrary opinions, um, but I, I will argue in favor of them. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll come back to both of you as well as we head out today, but Patrick Ellers to close us out as far as the lists go. What is your current favorite game of all time? The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. That's uh, not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say Rusty's Real Deal Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? No, Rusty, Rusty's a great game. It doesn't make my honorable mentions. Uh, but um, it, no, R- Rusty is wonderful. I love Rusty. Yeah. Um, but The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past is a, a game that I discovered when I was like nine years old. So um, it will forever have my heart. Um, and it, like it, it does what the original Zelda like was trying to do, uh, but just with, you know, more, uh, more assets uh, to actually uh, accomplish like a uh, big fantasy story uh, told on, on the super NES. Um, This is another game that I uh, replay regularly uh, and count among like just my favorite gameplay experiences. It's also sort of just like the blueprint for the non breath of the wild Zeldas uh, going forward. Um, the like collect the three things and then uh, discover that, Oh, your quest is uh, twice as big or three times as big as you thought it was. There's a, another world under the world that we know now. Um, and uh, I, I just find the art style of uh, links awake or uh, not links awakening <laughs> link to the past. Uh, so, so fun and like non repeated in the series. Uh, I, just love this game with all my heart. I, I love the story you've told several times about like teach telling older kids how to get through a section of yeah. this game. Yeah, I, I was at a uh, like a family uh, dinner party. So like a bunch of family friends uh, and I was hanging out upstairs with like the, the older kids who were playing uh, Super Nintendo and they were in like the, the final dungeon of uh, um Link to the Past, and they couldn't like get through. You know that part where uh, there's like the invisible bridge um, yeah. that you have to like uh, uh, either like light the torches or um, you can use like that the lightning magic to just like light up everything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was like giving them tips on like how to get through there, and they had been ignoring me all night until I could help them beat. Uh, Zelda. <laughs> 
Gosh, I love that. Patrick, I, if I had any beer left, I would have sipped it because this is one that I was pretty sure was going to be on here somewhere. Uh, would you go ahead and just uh, tell us your list again as we close this out? Number 10, Super Mario Maker. Number 9, Pikmin 4. Number 8, Tetris 99. Number 7, Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. Number 6, a two-way tie that doesn't make any sense between Super Metroid and The Last of Us Part 2. At number 5, Final Fantasy 6. At number 4, a cowardly tie between uh, Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild. Number 3, Super Mario 3D World. Number 2, Hades. And number 1, The Legend of Zelda. A link to the past. Fantastic. Folks, we've done it. We have listed another, uh, completed another episode of the top 10 games of all time, this time featuring uh, uh, Patrick Ellers, Drew Mackey, and Mark Mitchell. Uh, fellas, thanks for joining me on this. I love talking to the three of you about video games, and I've been doing it for a while with Patrick and Mark. Drew, a newer friend, but this is so much fun. Uh, thank you all for coming back. This was an absolute blast. Yeah, it was this super was amazing. Fun. Yeah, us. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I asked that in a way to where you all had to talk over each other. Really great podcast. But on can, our way can, out today. Yeah, go ahead, Patrick. Yeah, no, uh, sorry. Uh, on our way out, are, are we uh, honorable mentions or are we, are oh, we going long? we hadn't done that yet. By all means, Patrick, let's start with you. Uh, so I, I, uh, I mentioned like Metroid Dread was a, a, a near cut for me. Street Fighter 2, um, just a, a foundational uh, game for me. Uh, Drew, like you, um, I was on a family vacation, uh, but we were, we were camping. We weren't going skiing. And we got like rained out of outdoor activities. And so my dad took me to the arcade and uh, just gave me a bunch uh. of quarters. And that's where I learned how to play uh, Street Fighter 2 from Strange Men that would teach me how to uh, do <laughs> the special <laughs> moves of the characters. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, I, I had mentioned uh, Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VII Remake. Those are near misses for me. I had uh, Metal Gear Solid Two: Sons of Liberty on my list. Um, and when I sent it to my friend Hannah to be like, hey, what do you think of uh, my list? Can you help me make cuts? Uh, she pointed out that I had it uh, written down as Metal Gear Solid 2, The Phantom Liberty. Uh, and so <laughs> she was like, so it can't be on your list. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a funny disqualifier. <laughs> It's you got to make cuts for arbitrary reasons here. Um, uh, and then the, the last one I wanted to shout out um, was uh, I also had a Resident Evil game on, on my uh, longer list here, but it was the Resident Evil remake on GameCube, um, which mm -hmm. it does such an awesome job of uh, reinterpreting the original Resident Evil and like introducing new gameplay things like those crimson head zombies that uh, like get back up if you don't burn them or blow their heads off. Um, and, uh, that there's, oh, what is the name of this character? It's, uh, uh, who like stole her parents' faces and like sewed them to herself and is like an in invincible, uh, T-virus monster. Um, just another cool little thing that they sprinkled into the original, original Resident Evil. So good. Uh, great set of honorable mentions there. Yeah. For me, I mean, I don't, I won't list honorable mentions cause I talk about, I get to talk about this every time I do one of these episodes, but, uh, a glaring omission for me that I'm, I'm looking at this is the Metroidvania genre is a top genre for me. No representation on this list. Not even like, mm. oh, Metal Gear Solid's on there, which is kind of one of those. Nothing. So maybe that'll change someday. Um, Drew, would you like to list any honorable mentions? Yeah. Um, Undertale. Uh, I feel like since mm. I had I, I had to say Earthbound because Undertale exists because Earthbound exists. And I love I played Earthbound first. But Undertale is a profound video game playing experience that I'm so glad I gave myself. Uh, Catherine is a mm. puzzle game that came out. Uh, yes. It's like the sexy, 
sheep guy game. I don't know how to explain it. It is a rich uh, world and like really good puzzle mechanics. And uh, if anyone ever gets the chance to play that, do it. The original NES Ninja Gaiden, because I, it was the most cinematic thing I'd ever seen in a video game at the time. And it still seems really cinematic today. Um, Mario Paint, um, mm. Street Fighter Alpha 3, uh, and then, mm. t- because I'm weird, Clay Fighter. Clay Fighter. I think Clay Fighter deserves more attention than it gets. Oh, that's great. More fighting games. Look at that. Uh, so much fun. Uh, Mark, did you want to mention any? Uh, I'll just, I just have two I'll shout out. One is uh, Bloodborne, the first From Software game that I played and beat and... I think that game is incredible, and I had so much fun with it. I have not been able to get into other from software. I haven't tried Elden Ring, and I know maybe that's the one to uh, um, to try someday. So I've heard. Yeah, loved Bloodborne, loved it a lot. The other one is Chrono Trigger, and uh-huh. uh, I, you know, that it's just an all timer. It almost just by default, I feel like, is on everybody who's played it uh, yeah. top ten list. Uh, but it's. It's another one where, like, as I get older, I appreciate the story and themes of it more. And I think it's, you know, it's easy for games from, like, older games, you just kind of look at them and be like, oh, they're really simple and really cute. But I think Chrono Trigger has something really interesting to say about fate and, you know, just like um, uh, life, really. So love Chrono Trigger. Can I tell a story that happened recently? And... um, I was in a place where they serve drinks and there was a girl next to me who was really drunk and she was like just emotional drunk and she was really emotional talking about something and then I was listening to what she was talking about and she was talking about the part in Chrono Trigger where Robo waits in back in time for them to find her again and like how he's (laughs) broken when they find her and it it was like the rest of the people who were there were like yeah, you know, we've played it. Like, we know what you're talking about. And she was just like, could not stop talking about what a beautiful thing it was. And she was right. That is a beautiful aspect of that game. But she was like teary and just like drunk girl, like oh my talking gosh. about like, I it was that. so sad. He waited for them to find uh, him in the future. And he did that. He did all this work to bring the forest back. And was like, wow, I want to know everything about you. But I didn't talk to her. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. If I heard someone talking about that in a bar, I would. I would probably interrupt uh, to just be like, hey, I feel you. If she had been a little bit more contained, I might have. But I was like, I don't yeah. want to leave this on me. This is, this, this, I don't want to have to take care of this this mess. But I, I, I yeah, get like very few v- video games like from that era could like make resonate in that way. Like I, I, I get why she, it meant something to her, you know. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for telling that story. That's so good. <laughs> um, well, folks, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, on our way out, though. Uh, I want uh, just to give everybody a chance to plug whatever they want, whether it's a podcast or social media, as much or as little as you'd like. Patrick, we're going to start with you, my friend. Thank you for doing this with me, buddy. And what do you want to plug today? Thank you, Connor. This was a blast. Uh, You know, listen to the Nintendo Cartridge Society podcast that I do with Mark. We put out two episodes every week, uh, one about the news and one special little topic that we uh, cook up. Um, And then, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, uh, my book about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is coming out in four parts starting in February. Um, So uh, check out the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles source book, issue number one, in comic book stores, February 21st. I love it. Uh, Drew Mackey, thank you again for coming back uh, in such a short period of time. Uh, What do you want to plug today? Uh, I guess I'll plug my own podcast, Gayest Episode Ever. Uh, It is a weekly podcast. It is not a bi-weekly podcast. I don't understand how you guys do that. <laughs> like putting out a weekly podcast is such a drain. I 
It's just a lot of work. You you know, it's a lot of work to put a podcast together. Yeah. We all know this. But like, you guys have been doing it twice a week. You don't really take weeks off. And I just can't wrap my head around that. You, it's like I you would think you would run out of things to talk about, but you do not. I'm very impressed by that. Oh, thank um, you. So there's that. Gayest episode ever, if you want to talk about uh, gay episodes of classic sitcoms. I also have a blog where I talk about uh, old video game stuff. It's called Thrilling Tales of Old Video Games. And um, if... You want to get very niche and uh, find out the origins of things you remember from video games. It's a place where I put in a lot of research to find these things out. And sometimes I get surprising results. And uh, thrilling tales of video games. Thrilling tales of old video games.com. I love it. Thank you. Uh, Mark Mitchell, here you are, pal. Thank you again for being here, buddy. Uh, what do you want to plug? This was so much fun. Thank you for having me on. I really want to plug Drew's uh, website, Thrilling... Sorry, will you say the URL again? Want to make thrilling sure I get tales, it right. Thrilling tales of old video games.com. Yeah, uh, it's such a joy for when you share stuff from that blog. Um, such good research, such like interesting topics. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, check out Nintendo Cartridge Society. We have a we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Nintendo Cartridge Society. On there, we uh, do miniseries, um, exclusive, once a month miniseries exclusive to 8-bit and 16-bit patrons. We pr previously did a run called NCS Detective Club, where we talked about the great detective shows of television. Uh, NCS Goes Broadway, where we talked about Broadway and off-Broadway musicals. We are currently doing NCS Arcade, where we are playing games that we have never beaten that are available on Nintendo Switch Online and Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack. So uh, check that out if you are interested. Uh, great series. I'm so glad you're doing that. I, uh, I've, I've almost... Patrick got to witness me um, just... This is a heartbreaker. Absolutely fail at beating the Minish Cap. I tried to... The last time I streamed it, I, you know, because I'm playing along trying to keep up with your podcast, I tried three times and could not beat the final boss. So I was like, I was I was not in a good mood. I was like, I'm going to come back and grind, get more bottles, more hearts. Um, but what a tough game by the end. That brutal, that last boss fight is brutal. Vadi, yeah. all its different forms. Yeah, that, that one's tough. I'll get there though. Um, well, folks, uh, thank you all for being here. I'm going to go ahead and just close us out with some plugs of my own. Um, and again, if you're listening to this or like, I know some people are watching on Twitch right now. Uh, if you look up the podcast, wherever you get your shows, call me by your game, you're going to find links to all these, uh, URLs and stuff that, uh, that we've plugged. So, uh, I'll put those in the show notes for, for Drew's blog, for Patrick's, uh, podcast and for Mark's bank account where you can deposit money. Uh, there'll be all sorts of stuff there. And you just need to know his mother's maiden name, which is yes. <laughs> nice uh, try, Patrick. Ah. I'm never telling you my mother's hmm. maiden name nice try patrick uh, that's a new one uh yes patrick? connor can you also put a a link to the comic shop locator if people want to pre-order my book that they can do it from an actual brick and mortar comic book store would be happy to absolutely uh but for me uh connor mccabe the host of this podcast you can follow me uh on uh, twitter and instagram at connor underscore mccabe i'm also on blue sky i know blue sky just recently opened up fully to the public so i'm there at connor uh mccabe if you want to follow me as well i stream uh video games and this podcast live at twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69 uh give me a follow there on twitch if you want to hear when i'm going live playing different things and talking to people about video games uh and uh lastly is if you like me in the chats that i have with people about video games you should check out what we've got for you at patreon.com slash super 
NPC Radio. It's the Patreon that myself uh, and the creators of the shows on our network where we put our bonus content. A lot of that content also comes out on free feeds. For example, the Super NPC Games Club feed where you can listen to our legacy content, uh, you know, from years past for free. But if you like us and you want to support us, uh, then that's a great way to do that on our Patreon. Plenty of links in the show notes. Great stuff at every tier. Uh, But that'll do it. For this episode of Call Me By Your Game, we will see you on the next one.